I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror cult exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Jesus Christ! Holy shit! Mother of God! It's another episode of Astro Radio Z, folks, and we're here tonight to finish the Howling franchise. This is a monumental podcast in the history of Astro Radio Z. This may be the most important podcast in the history of Astro Radio Z. This is a show I've wanted to do pretty much ever since I started podcasting. And why is that? Because we're going to talk about Howling New Moon Rising tonight, folks. Uh, this is has been toted as possibly the worst film ever committed to celluloid. And yes, it was actually filmed on film. Um, but we're going to find out tonight what the Astro Radio Zombies think about this. They've slugged through eight films to get to this point. And we're going to talk about not only Howling New Moon Rising tonight, but Howling Reborn. So let's go down the, the line here and introduce you to my fellow panelist. First, hello, Angelique. Thanks for coming back for this episode. I don't know how you made it this far, because honestly, you seem to have been in a lot of pain <laughs> through watching all of these Howling movies that had werewolves in them and then didn't have werewolves in them. How are you doing? I'm glad that we've reached this point. <laughs> are, you, are you actually feeling kind of like a load lifted off of you? Uh, yes, because I don't have to watch any more werewolfless werewolf movies. Uh, I, if you come on my podcast anymore, I can't guarantee that. Uh, well, can't I guarantee mean, that. As long as they're not Howling franchise, we'll be great. <laughs> well, who knows? They keep making uh, witchcraft films. Now that I've finished this uh, Howling franchise, I'm sure now they're going to make three more. I should shut my mouth. I should shut my mouth. I don't want any more Vice Academy films to all of a sudden pop up, so I'm going to shut up about that. <laughs> well, if you if you listen to uh, Mr. Gonzarific's uh, podcast, the Cinemaphile podcast, Andrew actually talked to someone involved with the Vice Academy series in which she is hoping that Rick Sloan actually makes some more Vice Academy films. How are you doing tonight, Andrew? Oh, good, man. She was great. Honey Lauren's awesome. I, you know, I guess she can just, she can go ahead. She's a really good writer, actually. So if she writes it, it would actually be the best one. Yeah, that podcast was great. She was a car the entire time. I had a great time listening to that podcast. Tons of energy. Right. Are you excited to finally get this over with? Yeah, because um, I, I watched uh, the, the Howling 7 almost immediately after the last show we did because you built it up as such a horrible movie. I was really excited because usually I am the guy that likes the stuff that's the worst. Um, but that wasn't quite the way it shook out. So, <laughs> so it took me forever to finish it. And then uh, I thought we were doing the show last Monday. So I like barreled through 7 and 8 and then I had to wait a freaking week. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry, dude. Guys. Hey, you know, I'm an adult. I make my choices. <laughs> <laughs> and and the man next to him, the man that it, that can't stop laughing, has been warning me 
about his feelings. Even in the Astro Radio Z private group, he posted a picture of himself flipping off a picture of Clive Turner. Mr. Scott Davis, I know your feelings about tonight. How are you doing? I was stunned in the passion of the moment. I mean, you should have seen the pictures I didn't upload. (laughs) I'm hoping they didn't deal with your wiener. Pregnant silence. Hey, means no, it did. No denial, there was no wiener denials, involved. No denials. No denials. No confirmations. Okay, I'm moving on from this. <laughs> Seth, thanks for coming back. How are you doing? I'm good. Just sitting here with my prescription beer, working on my zipper playing, and just having a <sighs> great time. I hope you guys realize we are going to sing in the heart of Texas and zip our zippers up and down at some point in this podcast. Wait, we're wearing pants. I better get a zipper. I was yeah. going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Already ruined. And you just heard his sultry tones. Mr. Glenn Bittner is back for some more. How you doing, sir? I'm wonderful. We'll see if he has an identity crisis by the end of the night. If he is actually, because if you're you're watching this on YouTube, you see that uh, Glenn looks an awful lot like Clive Turner. Oh, so, and Mr. Mark, the movie man, he's back for some more, of course. How are you doing tonight, sir? Well, I'm no uh, expert, nor am I a religious zealot, but the things I'm about to tell you tonight are absolutely true. I'm doing well. Thank you. And last but not least, one of the, the main reasons why this may be the most epic episode of Astro Radio Z ever, ever committed to the airwaves. I have finally got my brother Shane on the line. He is here. He, he is a deep fan of Astro Radio Z, but even a deeper fan of Howling New Moon Rising. It's the only way I could get him out of the woodwork. Shane, say hi to Astro Radio Z. Hi. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks a lot for having me on. I uh, Yeah, I will always talk about New Moon Rising. I love this movie. <laughs> wow. You and I may be the only ones tonight. We, we shall see. Bring it on. Let's do it. With that, folks. Let's skip the pleasantries and let's just go straight into the first film of the night, which is Howling New Moon Rising, made in 1995. was written, directed, produced, edited, 
and starred Mr. Clive Turner. And if you had listened to our previous podcast, folks, you would know that he has been involved with every subsequent sequel since Howling 3. So Howling 4, 5, and I did find out that he was a post-production supervisor on The Freaks. So he he was involved with every single one of the subsequent films after Part 3. He also... And this might not come as a shock to anyone that has actually seen the film we're about to talk about. He also was uh, the executive producer on the Lawnmower Man films. So everything this man has touched has been pure gold. Let's go ahead and uh, give a plot synopsis off of imdb.com. A number of brutal werewolf-like slayings begin occurring in a small Californian town after the arrival of an unfamiliar motorist. Why? Yes. No! <laughs> that it? Yeah, it was, that was, that was, yeah. What exactly is werewolf-like killing? <laughs> what is... I, I, well, well, let's break down that plot synopsis before we move on, folks. Let's go ahead. Let's do word by word. A number. You want to know what number? Two. Three. Two. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. three. Yeah, there was three. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. A number of brutal, brutal. And by brutal, they mean somebody slapped a bunch of red jelly on somebody's neck. Off the screen. Off screen. A number of brutal werewolf-like. It's werewolf-like because there's no fucking werewolf in this movie. <laughs> Let's continue, folks. Werewolf-like slayings begin occurring in a small California town after the arrival of an unfamiliar motorcyclist. It didn't, wasn't there, that body had been there for like a long time before Ted showed up, right? Oh, so that's a total piece of bullshit. You're right. It was a skeleton. Yeah, the skeleton with with the bad blonde wig on it that that starts the movie. Wasn't that was now? But was that in the city limits, or was that not in the actual town proper? Because let's face it, the town's probably like a block or two. Well, yeah, the city limits go on for miles, you know. Well, supposedly that was in the town because it was uh, that was a historic monument uh, where the the priest and the cop were, and they were talking. You know, the those bits of the movie where they had to explain away the connection between this film and the previous three to four films in a very horrible manner in which they got every fact wrong and they had to try and retcon everything to make this tie into the series in some way, shape or form. But uh, the film starts off with this amazing sequence where like Angelique said, there are three gentlemen standing in the desert, looking down at a, a dime store skeleton with a blonde wig adorning its head, in which they say, Jesus Christ, holy shit, mother of God. <laughs> One of my favorite openings to a film <laughs> I can't dispute that. Seriously, the first time I saw this film, I was sold so hard within seconds. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to love this movie. That that opening sequence where they're just standing there, three dudes, obviously not actors, with zero emotion, couldn't even spit out the lines. I, I almost died. I almost died. And uh, I had said this on a previous podcast that uh, I, I saw this uh, after I had rented it on VHS 
after watching it, I was so flabbergasted and so completely sidestruck by how unbelievably shitty this movie is that I had to share this with someone. And the only person I knew that could handle this was my dear brother, Shane. And how did I do this, folks? I dubbed it onto a VHS tape that had no label on it and handed it to Shane. Now, Shane, when you got this, we were much younger at this time. We're talking 1995. What did you think upon getting this video cassette and watching it? I don't even think I finished it initially. It barely seemed like a real movie. I mean, it's obvious that none of the, the townspeople are just guys he met in town like you look at the credits it's they're all their names are the characters names they he didn't even have enough faith in them to give them other name like character names and i i did eventually finish it and to this day i still don't know what the plot is per se at the end when he's explaining how the shit went down like it still mystifies me i love it i love it <laughs> I love this movie. It's I rank it, you know, just as high as your your troll twos, your hackers, your rooms. Like this, it it mystifies me every time I watch it. Like it's it makes me so happy. <laughs> this is exactly how I feel about it. It is one of the most confounding films I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm what constantly asking questions. That's all you can do. And I think it, it you know, I've seen this movie so many times because I've owned it on VHS ever since 1995. And uh, I think the last time I watched it, which was yesterday or actually two days ago, I sat and made a concerted effort to finally wrap my head around what the fuck happens in the last 10 minutes of this film okay. where they explain the entire plot of the film. And I almost got it. This movie's almost 20 years old now. I've probably seen this more than any other person on the face of the planet. And it's sickening. It, it is sickening. But there's something about this film that is like, it makes me laugh so much. So, Instead of just Shane and I going back and forth about how much we love this film, let's let's get to the panelists who have been telling me over and over and over again how painful this experience was. Let's let's go straight to Seth. Seth, what were your initial thoughts when you when the the film opens and you have these guys looking at this dime store uh, skeleton and then how the movie started to unfold? It gets even better than what you said because after the the Mother of God line, the the cop shows up. And they're like, he's dead, Inspector. Very good, Watson. Who's Watson? I, I, I will say, I was with you. It grabbed me at the at the beginning when I was like, this could be amazing. But it quickly just became this mess of line dancing in the dark and sing-alongs. <laughs> Bad puns. The puns that come almost immediately after that scene just broke me down into a mess. The story, if you really wanted to do an elevator pitch to this movie, all you would say is long-haired Aussie shows up in a backlot uh, desert town uh, and decides to sit and drink for an hour and a half with a bunch of rednecks and then 10 frames at the end of the film, a werewolf shows up. 
That's basically the film. It, it Clyde Turner shows up to this bar. They drink. There's a lot of musical numbers. People line dance in the dark inexplicably. And uh, then there's this Scooby-Doo mystery about what, what, why is he in town and why are the, the deer in town uh, shaken by some coyote that's coming in and rustling them up? And then, oh, yeah, some drunk guys seem to be uh, getting killed in the, in the desert by a red-tinted lens. So that's that's the vast majority of this movie. It's not a werewolf film. It's 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 hardly even a conceivable film. It it is kind of like a home video of some town that Clive Turner ended up holding up in and enjoying the company of its residents. Mm-hmm. That's basically what this movie is, Scott. I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't even go and say I mean that's 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 a very elaborate description I mean I just looked at this and I'm like it's not even it isn't a movie that's the thing it's like it does not feel like a proper movie it 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 it, it seems like the plot if I was asked to do like a synopsis for IMDb or something I would be like okay it's a bunch of shit kickers sitting in a bar drinking and trying to audition their comedy bits for some kind of weird hybrid of hee-haw and the office and then like just afterwards they just kind of throw in a werewolf as an afterthought the thing is that you can see from this movie like you know what i'll bet you that clive turner is a decent guy i'll bet you even the people in the town are yeah they i mean because they the, the whole film is like just trying to get you to like these people <laughs> rather than tell a story so i bet you they're not bad having said that I'm going to tell you that, you know, and I apologize to all of the people present on our panel and everything uh, that are our fine Southern ladies and gentlemen. I know we have a few that I just, oh, it's, oh, every bad stereotype I ever have about when I think it's things like this. I was just grinding molars every time they would speak every time Clive Turner would open his mouth and they'd start some stupid comedy bit, which is 90% of the movie. I was just sitting there. I mean, like, like I belonged in a rubber room just saying, shut up, shut up, just shut up, shut up. I had notes for this movie and I was going through the notes last night. I had to watch this movie twice. I had to watch it again last night because I realized that my notes for the first time through just started looking like the mad scrawlings of somebody with Tourette's because it would just start to be like random curse words over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, this, oh God, this movie, dude. Um, I mean, you warned us. You said that you you were getting so you're like like a little like like a little devilish little imp. You like you were like sitting there in your Wisconsin lair, like getting all ready for us um, about getting getting us so that we're going to have to watch this movie and you're trying to preface for like oh you guys have no idea i'm like okay okay i can do this i can do this i've i've done this i've fought these battles before man no man you 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 weren't joking holy cow (laughs) this is really is one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life (laughs) and and i am a huge (laughs) you know you've heard me before say how andy milligan's films i usually consider to be the worst films I could see easily everyone's complaints about how this could have the crown as being the worst film ever made because it is an absolute endurance test. Andrew, what did you think about this thing? 
Well, first of all, I'd like to take back all the bad things I said about four and five and six because I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> Those movies are fine. I mean, they really are. <laughs> They're movies, you know? They have a, they have a first, second, third yeah. act. <laughs> okay. I, my in-laws um, live in Franklin, North Carolina, and at their church – Every year they do a little program of comedy skits and songs. And uh, I, I had the opportunity to was asked to film it one time. And uh, it was a pretty similar, actually, except for a little bit more happened uh, in their play than in Howling 7. So <laughs> it just took me a while to get through it because it really just um, – well, my grandma's two favorite shows, Hee Haw and Matlock – it's basically like a combination of those with parts of uh, Howling 5 cut into it. That's all, that's the way I can describe it. It's home video, yeah, I would say. Yeah, that was a good, that was accurate. Endurance so, test also accurate. Well, I think a lot of it, it, it's not only the fact that there virtually is zero script to this thing until the last 15, 20 minutes of the film where they they lazily attempt to try and sift you through this labyrinth of of intrigue and mystery and and red herrings and in just nonsense. Yeah, no, get I, to the I, werewolf. I'm I'm I understand like how you what you and Shane are talking about like that makes sense to me. I just think that if it was called something besides a if it was if it was not a howling movie, I wouldn't have had the expectations of it eventually going somewhere. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I probably would have enjoyed it the way you guys do. If it was just like, you know, the dumbass shit kicker bar or something like that, they just called it something, you know what I mean? Or anything. They could, they could have called it the Father town. Dowling meets the werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> just, just don't mention werewolves in it. And it really made me reevaluate the whole Howling series. Cause I was like, you know what? It's called the Howling. They're not necessarily telling you it's about werewolves. I mean, they don't have any obligation to do werewolves. Howling, lots of things howl. People howl, you know? <laughs> Every like, time they go yeehaw. Like the, the, the wind howls, you know? Sometimes you fart and it sounds like a howl. <laughs> it made me rethink a lot of things. So I see where you guys are coming from. I mean, I'm not just doing, you know, just here to slam the movie. I'm trying to understand any value anyone would place on it so well the funny thing is is that the film it is a howling film and he tries so hard to tie this into the previous three films that he dedicates an entire plot line throughout the film to tying it in and what that is is there is outside of dudes drinking in a bar in telling bad jokes, there is another plot where there's a priest and a, and a cop that looks like about 96 years old <laughs> sitting in a church, um, basically just explaining how there would be a werewolf here in town and, and trying to explain what why there is this shitty skeleton out in the middle of the desert with a blonde wig on and that the tie obviously is werewolves. And then in two to three minute segments that are scattered throughout the film, the priest sits and explains how they're tied to these werewolves. And then uh, the priest's wife or caretaker comes in and then arbitrarily 
says a bunch of nonsense that that really has nothing to do with anything other than padding out the runtime. And then they go back to the bar. So Clive Turner took real strides to actually try and make this like the penultimate howling film where he's tying all of these films together into this film. And there are werewolves actually in this film scattered throughout, but they're from the other films. He's used other footage from the other films in this in flashbacks. So you do have werewolves scattered periodically throughout this film, but it's clips from other films actually to the point where it negates Howling 4 entirely. It has a a scene where uh, Marie from part four, the writer from part four, inexplicably comes back, is talking to the priest for no reason whatsoever, and literally gives a supercut of Howling 4. You never need to watch Howling 4 ever again. You have it here in Howling New Moon Rising. So if there's any, any value to this film whatsoever, it's it basically gets rid of Howling 4. You don't ever need to watch it again. All the best bits are in this film. So it's, it, it is flabbergasting <laughs> that this film makes no sense, yet tries so hard to be a Howling film. Glenn, how did you feel about this as a Howling film? You guys keep calling it a film. I think, <laughs> I think all this was is it was some old home videos of line of him line dancing with his friends, and it's just an IMDb synopsis of all the previous movies. That's all it is. With some line dancing, with some line dark. dancing in it, yeah, and some red camera footage. I remember seeing this. I don't know. Well, it was on the new release shelf at the video store when I first saw it. So. Um, and I watched it, and I immediately said, oh, my God, I have to make everyone I know watch this. You bastard. Because, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't keep something like this to yourself. No, no. It's true. It's true. I mean, come on. That'd be rude. from the ring. <laughs> when, when the army, when, you know, when, when we liberated all the uh, concentration camps, did we just say and cover that up? No, we shared that and said, look what they did. Look what they did. You have to point a finger and go, look at that. <laughs> and weep for what mankind has wrought. Um, <laughs> might be a little harsh. For a long time, I used to consider this like the worst film I had seen. And for a while it was... Um, and I mean, I would say I've seen worse films, but I don't know if that's true. If I if I consider the fact that, you know, when I say I've seen worse films, it's like some guy named Bob made his first movie. Well, I'm not going to critique that the same way. I mean, I will say that there are amazing, some, some actually pretty good effects, as, as you pointed out, in this movie that are just clips from other movies. Because <laughs> I think the most expensive thing in this film was probably the water Pappy was was drinking. It was probably the most expensive thing in the movie because, oh my God, they did not spend a dime on this, did they? Dude, it had to be the bar tab. Easily the yeah. bar tab. Yeah, that's probably it. And you got to think, you know, there there is a line, I think, when you want to com- uh, complain about the worst films of all time. It's really easy to sit and point the finger at micro-budget cinema and underground cinema of, uh, you know, movies that don't have financiers and don't have budgets. Um, They're easy targets, but it's not fair. It's not fair to point the finger at those films. 
This film was released by New Line Cinema. Mm-hmm. Mass release on VHS. It has yeah. subsequently completely vanished and was never released on DVD or Blu-ray or streaming. The only way you can see this if you don't have it on VHS is on YouTube. Thankfully, somebody in their infinite wisdom put it up on YouTube to watch because I agree with you, Glenn, this film must be seen. Mark the movie, man. You were texting me an awful lot while you were watching this film (laughs) so much so that you watched it immediately after we did the last episode, then talked about it subsequently for four straight days we did a couple episodes. Then this week, you watched it again. Did you watch it a third time? Uh, uh, <clears throat> yes, because <laughs> I wow. Because I love it. It takes me back to my childhood, seeing the New Line Cinema. Man, your parents were bastards. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Locked in the closet. I, I love the part. Is there something after the New Line Cinema logo? Because I just played that because that took me back to my childhood. I love that bit. That was a great bit. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> is, is there more to the film than that? Yeah, Mark. I, let me tell you a few things that happened. There's actually more. There's there's a, a load of bad gay jokes. Hey, Jack. Looks like you've been getting your shirts out of Jackman's side of the closet again. <laughs> <laughs> there are There are pissed off women that are line dancing in the dark. For some reason, there are old ladies doing the ham bone with spoons in the bar. Yeah, I don't Uh, get that. Yeah, there are extended scenes of guys farting because of chili eating. Oh, I missed that part. (laughs) There are sing-alongs where people uh, in unison use their zippers as instruments. All of a sudden, the stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. I remember that. Okay, yeah, you you know what? I do remember watching the rest of this now. This movie rocked. This movie was so bad. It was fun. I had so much fun with this film for it being so awful. Uh, People talk about, oh, Birdemic and that. Folks, the room, you know, screw that. Watch this. This This is so much fun in as as glenn would put it it's awfulness you can't help but watch it again you can't because you can't believe what you are watching you you're going this was distributed this was put out they they put this on here and there's so much heart into this there these people are actually having fun and people trying their best and don't get me wrong it's a horrible film but it's it's so much fun to watch because it's that bad. I want to see the chase scene that was in the montage at the end of the film because <laughs> I want to see that movie. I don't know where that movie went, but <laughs> they talk about it and we get to hear suddenly about how the guy escaped. And I'm like, wait, what? When? And they're showing clips of stuff that we didn't see before. And I'm like, wait, when, when did this happen? Wait, no, go back. But it was gone like a popcorn fart. <laughs> Mark, but we did get to see, we did get to see um, the character who eventually turned into the werewolf come and rescue uh, Ted from uh, hiding up in the ceiling to for him to run out to the jeep, jump in the back and hide, and then they drive literally half a block down the street 
to her house and then he runs out of there we get to see that that's true but that was so sad because he left his george jones cassette behind that's actually how they caught him yeah that they learned that he he actually had an ulterior motive to being there what that is who who the fuck knows because everybody's brains turned off at that that moment I don't I don't know what what his motivation really was. Uh, he was talking to a tape because uh, he thought he was some kind of noir film. Maybe. I don't know. I My brain actually stopped in this film when they dropped the one joke about Jim. The only thing you know about country music is the first four letters. Brock. Sorry, Cheryl. I didn't know you could spell. And I'm like, you mean C O. I'm like, I'm trying to do that. I'm like, coon? What? It's racist. There we go. What? And I realized, oh, he's spelling it wrong. But I'm like, my brain didn't connect that. So, like, for 10 minutes, my brain was trying to go, first four letters of country music. What? Why is that funny? And I missed, like, a good chunk of the plot. So I had to watch it again because my brain kept working on the first four letters of country music and and what that actually meant because uh yeah because that those four letters don't spell anything i i got a question shane i got a question for you do it tell me tell tell me about ted's love interest in the film and uh he is interested in this woman that the barkeeper jim says well, I have a lot of lead balloon there. What do you think it was? A charm or my good looks? Hey, dude, it takes a lot to impress that girl. I mean, a lot. A so lot. serious when he says that, too. It's like, <laughs> it takes a lot to impress her. And I, I don't know what that means. Nobody knows what that means. For some reason, she has an accent. There's a lot of weird accents in this movie, and it doesn't make any sense because they're supposed to be in, like, rural California. Like... It's it's just so bizarre that like the denizens of this little town. Does it, do you feel do you feel that she is possibly the most boring and uninteresting person in the film? Yet he was he is told over and over again that he has a better chance with Madonna than with her. Yeah, I love the little Madonna exchange the joke he's having with the guy walking back to the apartment or the hotel which why was that guy keep why did he keep asking him Pat oh you coming back to the motel yes he is oh like they didn't stay together I don't know why had to like go back well yes I do that would be great. It's like, I have to peek through the keyhole. Every night he asked him, are we going back? I have a feeling that is, that wasn't edited. That was a deleted scene. Was that, that they actually great. go back and have rendezvous? Oh, I would have God. loved that. He was scared of the dark. <laughs> I mean, is this, you know, and you brought up the thing, you know, and, and Mark brought up the thing, too. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to ask this really quickly before I forget it, because I know we have other people to get to and everything. But did you guys feel like this movie was, a, I mean, because it seemed like it was being really affectionate towards this, you know, this kind of motley crew of people in this town. But then at times it really seemed offensive towards them, like it would make jokes about them not being intelligent, being able to spell or count. And then they had that canned country fiddle music.
which I couldn't help but like sing along to and make even more offensive. Like, I would, I started singing that in my house like for hours on end. But I mean, like, it really, but when you get down to it, that's actually kind of, I mean, some of the stuff actually seems like a jab towards the people, too. So, I mean, it had this weird balance between being affectionate and being offensive towards its own characters. Did anybody else get that, or is it just me? I think it was just uh, a, the humor in this film was from a different time. It, it was, was 1995! <laughs> I know! It just felt like, That's like a different world. Well, it felt like a bunch of old man humor. Like dads that sat around, that sit around drinking, telling jokes, and yeah. that nobody finds funny. Yeah, it, it is exactly that. Because when yeah. I I used to work in the the plate room at the newspaper before I was a writer, um, it was a lot of old Southern guys, and they would they had, oh my God, the things they would say to each other. They would make the same dumbass jokes to each other every single night. They'd be like, "Hey, man, you you're you're fucking this monkey. I'm just holding the tail, okay." You're lucky that you can understand what they're saying in this movie because, you know, authentic frontier gibberish is a real shit. Well, let's just say the vast majority of the film is ADR'd. There are there are scenes where people literally drive up, walk up, start there, and they start talking. In their their mouths aren't moving yet; they're talking. They walk up to people that are sitting on the ground. Like there's this one scene where. Uh, the, the character, and I don't, we're going to spoil this. Who cares? The female that turns out to be the werewolf at the end, she walks up to a character, uh, Jim, the barkeep, who's working, who's rubbing affectionately the motorcycles <laughs> outside of the bar, walks up and says, hey. Jim, you seen Ted? I think he's over there. And then walks away. And then we watch her walk all the way over to the, the hotel. Then Ted walks in, in and says, Ted, Cheryl was looking for you. That's the story of my life, Jim. She's over there. And then he starts walking and then comes back. Hey, Jim, you missed a bit here. <laughs> <laughs> and then he walks away and we watch him walk away yet again. All overdubbed. None of it sunk up. It is flabbergasting. Absolutely flabbergasting. <laughs> Seth, let's let's talk about the Wolfmen in this film. Specifically at the end of this film, what did you think of how they handled the final epic conclusion and climax of New Moon Rising? I don't have a clue what happened in the last 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they tried to piece this thing together and I was lost and I watched it twice and I was lost both times. <laughs> I just do not have a clue what this movie ended up being. Why did you all watch this more than once? What the hell's wrong with us? Well, I had to watch the, the regular cut and the Joe Bob Briggs cut. What is the difference, Seth? You, I, I think you might be the only one that actually did this. What was the difference yeah. between the cuts? Um, I can sum it up with early on in the movie, the first time we see the priest and the cop talking. Okay, facts I can deal with. These facts go back 500 years. Excuse me, 500 years? Yes. This is going to be a long story? Especially if you keep interrupting. Point taken. And that's how I felt about the Joe Bob Briggs interludes. Just let this thing end. 
please, Joe Bob, I love you, but just let this thing come to an end. And that's uh, they cut out a couple uh, penis jokes in the puns, and that's about it. Oh, the the classic. Long ride from Australia? Uh, yeah, but I'll play most of the way. Your arm's tired? I only want to flap him. Hey, that could give you armoritis. Uh, it's all right. I just had a bout of hepatitis. Yeah, a little bit further down your leg, and probably get pneumonia. Hell, I'd be more worried about small cocks. Well, I'm pretty lucky there. I've already had diphtheria. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want this is something I want I want to go down the row here. I want to get people's opinions. Angelique, favorite joke in the film? The country music. That's the best uh, way to get a hard yeah. C in your movie and keep a PG-13 rating. Oh my gosh, Mark the movie man. Yeah, she's she's she took mine. I it's my favorite because out of all of them, out of all the other jokes, I could kind of see where they came from. But that one is one that just it literally stopped my brain <laughs> while I tried to figure out exactly what the where the humor was. I understood diphtheria, I understood the penis joke, the zipper, the Madonna, all that. Even the well, it's twelve forty-five. It's getting late now. Uh, versus twelve forty-four. Yeah, I got all of that. But my brain just could not wrap itself around the four. You only understand the first four letters of country. And I'm like, C-O-U-N. Nope. C-O-U-N. I, I, my brain started, you know, juggling the letters around. And, and it just, it, it literally stopped my brain for five minutes as I tried to think about it. That's why I had to watch it again because I missed part of it because I kept thinking, how how is this funny? How, how where where what 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 universe is this funny in? So yeah, yeah she she's exactly right. This the first four letters of country music. One. <laughs> Jane, your favorite favorite joke in this place. Easy, it's the happy there's dirt in your chili. I need a drink. <laughs> Like, oh, that whole section—it's amazing. Like, to break it down for somebody, for maybe the listeners that haven't seen it, they are cooking chili outside, and somebody takes off in a truck, kicks up dirt. There's dirt in the chili, so five characters maybe walk by to tell Pappy that there's dirt in the chili. That's the joke, and then to cap it off, there's this redneck in suspenders who eats the chili, and there's this just. You know, sitcommy fart dubbed over, and he goes in the bar, and everybody leaves the bar because he farted. It's just, it's wonderful. <laughs> that was a good one. Let me <laughs> tell you, dirt, dirt chili will give you some pretty stinky ass gas. Let me tell you. You've got dirt <laughs> in the chili, Pappy. I know. I know. Pappy looks at the guy who tells him it and goes, I need a drink. Yep. <laughs> And this only happens like 20 times throughout the film. Every time anyone looks at Pappy, anytime Pappy's <laughs> in a scene, he, he all of a sudden has, I need a drink. And the main running gag with Pappy is, is that his wife, Harriet, who he runs the bar with, doesn't want him drinking anymore. So they do it over and over again where he's constantly switching between water and booze because he's trying to hide the fact that he's drinking all the time. 
W-A-T-T-E-R. Water. Did I do that joke right, Clive? <laughs> There's a great scene if you want, if you watch the, the um Joe Bob Briggs version <laughs> where Joe Bob Briggs pulls apart one scene where Pappy and Harriet are standing outside of the bar and he goes, I want you to watch this dramatic moment again. I want you to watch how long it takes Pappy to say his line here, okay? <laughs> Roll this clip. Watch this. Nothing? No tracks anywhere? Nope. You didn't see anything? Nope, I didn't. You went around the whole town? All around. I looked everywhere. Harriet, he didn't see anything. How many more times do you want him to tell you? I just want to be sure. Talk about your pregnant paws, huh? I think old Pappy really was having a few nips between the takes there. <laughs> Poor Pappy. I mean, if they would have given him a whole shot of whiskey, just a half-ass shot since bar was given, he'd have been fine. <laughs> Which is why, if you ask me what my favorite joke in this movie is, What's it's that? just Pappy. Because... <laughs> That has to be a joke played on us that they let this man be in a movie. It has to be a joke. The only way they could get these people to act in this film is by giving them their real names. But no, these are the people that live in this town. They are the actual residents of this town. <laughs> so wrap may your I, head around that one. Yeah, ask a question? Yes. So was this like some cowboy mine town amusement park that got shut down and abandoned? And then these people were like... Right. This is a great place to live. We're just going to live here now. Here are the guest cabins and, you know, and here's the saloon. And they just made it their own town. It actually was a backlot town for Hollywood where they used to shoot films, uh, cowboy films in the 30s and 40s. Close enough. It's like Gold Rush City. That place is abandoned and people squat there. So this is all right. Cool. That That is what this is. Um Seth, what did we get to your your favorite joke of the flick? I think my favorite joke is that it made part five look exciting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because the the part five I watched and the part five shown in New Moon Rising are two totally different movies. Absolutely, yeah. let's talk. Can you tie the tie the knot that they have actually tied in this film between the two films? Can you explain how Ted actually he's supposed to be the same character? <laughs> in this film can you actually tell how they they did this how they made it work because he was uh, dead in part five correct yeah, i don't remember how he came out tap dancing out of the castle or line dancing i don't think ted could tap dance oh god could you imagine if this is all like dapper 30s people like <laughs> just like getting like really just like swing music and like you know werewolves doing the charleston <laughs> all in zoot suits Oh, that would be fucking awesome. Somebody make that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So part five, uh, supposedly Ted is is the exact same character from part four where he was the tow truck driver. And then for some reason, he shows up then at a Budapest castle where we've already established nobody went there of their own accord. They just showed up for no fucking reason. Were they playing him off? to be the guy at the bar that was like, you know, sorry, darling, blah, blah, blah. That was him. Yes. Okay. But isn't he the guy who went out into the blizzard first and walked around the castle? Yep. And then guess, came okay. back in. Well, see, he still survived that because he got lost out there 
And we don't know if the werewolf actually killed him. We just saw the really badly cut together scene with the werewolf busting through the ice block for some reason. But they and show his body. And scream, well, yeah, but he <laughs> could have still survived. Yeah, it's just Budapest in the winter. Because they're implying that he's the werewolf in this anyway. So they're trying to put that he didn't actually die from that attack. He got infected by werewolf blood. And that's where he's hiding out now. Well, yep. He was already a werewolf, though, because he was a werewolf when he was the tow truck driver in part four. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Jeez. <laughs> that, was, that was his twin brother. <laughs> no, it's the same guy. Tow truck driver goes from an isolated town where he's a werewolf with other werewolves, survives that somehow, somehow winds up totally clean cut Adam Castle where other people are hanging out and there's a werewolf killing people but he doesn't turn into a werewolf he somehow survives that then he yeah what the hell I don't he's know he's a master of disguise okay well, then he becomes he, then he basically gets hired to go into a some backwater town to dig up dirt uh, on a bunch of yokels at a bar he's hired by that's why he's there is that he needs money and he's hired to go there and dish up some dirt, some info for some guy in fucking L.A. That's the whole point of his character in this. I thought it was more like involved in that. I thought maybe and I'm really reaching here. I'm really reaching because I thought he was like some secret agent who was about to like bust all the werewolves and, and get them all killed. And that's nothing why was- to do with werewolves. His character has nothing to do with werewolves in this film. Doesn't say anything about werewolves. Werewolves are literally brought by <laughs> you, the priest. By, by the asshole priest Father Dowling? Yeah, asshole Father Dowling brings all that up. But no, that really just destroyed my brain because I that was the tenuous grasp I had from what little enjoyment I got out of this movie was that I thought that Ted was here to kill all the werewolves. Damn it. Nope. 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 The mystery makes absolutely no sense. Even when they explain what the great manipulation was about this whole thing, it makes no sense. Does it Derek? Zero sense. You're making a face. Cause I'm so so I'm thinking right now. (laughs) I'm so sad right now. It literally is one of the most confounding things I've ever seen in my life. I've watched this movie throughout the last 20 years that it's been out. And even to this day, I still have zero idea how any of it works. What was the point of the mystery? So so the person from part four, who we see about to get killed at the very end of that part four, she's still alive, but she's been under mind control all these years. They bring that up in a throwaway line of dialogue. Thank you, Shane, for picking that up. Um, She's like, they kept her alive all these years, but has been put under mind control just so she can like plant these, and, and like be like a, like, Frame the tow random tow truck driver from the her the old town, and, uh, in this elaborate plot, you know, which somehow involves Budapest and somehow involves tracking the main character from part six down and killing him off camera. Which nobody likes it when people do that and kill a guy that we've been following all movie off screen. But what for for what purpose? It doesn't make sense. Why does she do it? I don't understand it. I I still don't understand it. I still don't Help. understand. All these well, years later, Scott, I'm not. I'm serious about this. 
the movie posits that Ted is this man of, of mystery and intrigue <laughs> because he sits it, with with like a tape recorder and records himself talking to it saying first day everything according to plan land the job now I gotta find out about the town before they find out about me and it ends like that and he constantly do this and build it up like he's he has some point in any way to anything and he doesn't how about that guy the first guy who dies that that he know that recognizes him at the bar and he he drunkenly like they have to wake him up and he follows him out and then ted follows him out he says to ted like do you want me to tell these people who you really are and then the guy gets killed and there's because at this point, we're led to believe that Ted is the werewolf. But within the, I mean, when you get to the end and Ted's just this dude, what the hell did that mean? That didn't mean anything. <laughs> let me let me posit something here, because asshole Father Dowling had a lot to do <laughs> throughout the entire film, you know, trying to tie each movie together with a, a mere werewolf hair, as it were. I think they were trying to make the werewolf into some sort of demon. Mm-hmm. Rather than like just a mysterious, you know, supernatural creature. And so I'm thinking there was something cut out or just completely just, yeah, we're not going to film this. Eh, ripped out of the <laughs> That made Ted some sort of like guardian angel or whatever to try and save the world from werewolves. But, I mean, I could just be hallucinating because this movie broke me worse than three did. I think the main problem we're having here is we're trying to make sense of a movie in which a guy dies and they find his body and he has a newspaper clipping of him getting out on parole from jail in his pocket. Why would any dude ever? <laughs> a memento. Hey, Ma, look at this. Where would you Wall keep papers? <laughs> it was too big to fold put in his wallet. I mean, come on, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> Use your brain. And we've devolved into madness. <laughs> that, every time. I- These clothes are covered with blood. No, that's red paint. Oh, I love that. No, this is a lot of blood. No, that's red paint. The red no. paint could have been used to cover up the blood. That's, that's right. what my, one of my favorite oh, changes. I couldn't your believe mullet that. hair? I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> God, I mean, blow the cobwebs off of it. Somebody make her stop line dancing, please. <laughs> one of the greatest exchanges is... is... Bonnie, this isn't blood on the shirt. It's red paint. Paint would cover a man's blood on a shirt. What? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to... Um, uh, our favorite jokes in this film, because I still haven't made my way all the way <laughs> the way over across everybody. Uh, Scott Davis, favorite oh. joke in this flick. Oh, uh, you know, and Ange- I, I have to I have to thank Angelique for bringing it up. I mean, I, I did watch the movie twice, but she brought it up. And like and so I was actually listening for it the second time when they're rifling through Ted's apartment because they think that he might be up to no good. And Ted comes up to the person watching the apartment to make sure that he doesn't show up. Now, she totally fails in her job because is if you're being a lookout for somebody, isn't the idea to say, hey, he's coming. Get out of there. No, she just lets him walk right up. 
Uh, <laughs> her friend's still inside, like, rifling around her shit. And he says, like, uh, what you doing? I'm waiting here. Waiting for who? Godot? And then it, like, does, like, a little, like, cutaway to the person rifling around. And then Ted, like, kind of looks off in the distance and says, I don't think she's gonna sh- he's going to show up, girl, or something like that. Here's the thing about that joke. First of all, wait, uh, waiting for Godot reference, okay? Um, right now, we've had jokes about, you know, farting, about misspelling country so that it sounds like cunt. Um, uh, and what? um That's what he was doing? Really? Yeah, I know. It's that's what he meant. Yeah. Oh, my God. We've had all these – we've had really – my point being is that the humor has been extremely low. I mean so low that you really wouldn't – I mean in other company, I wouldn't even be repeating it. <laughs> but I know you people. <laughs> but now all of a sudden we get a Waiting for Godot reference, one of the most – pretentious plays ever written <laughs> he had to show he had some class and that just comes complete yeah it just comes completely out of left field it is not it's like see it's like finding like a a a, a reference to thus spoke zarathustra somewhere uh in the middle of a larry the cable guy show I mean, like, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Where'd that come from? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. The Waiting for Godot reference is my favorite joke in the whole movie. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Andrew Shearer, if there was any jokes in this film you enjoyed, what was it? Oh, man. You remember that part where they tell Pappy he's got cancer and he goes behind his childhood home and blows his brains out? <laughs> 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 that was fucking oh my cool. god! <laughs> no, um, I, I, um, I, 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 I'm with Seth, man. I, it was hard for me to pay attention. It was hard for me to keep track of what was going on. I just, I kept, I kept tuning out. I, I watched 45 minutes while I was at work, and then. I don't know, a few weeks later, tried to finish. And I would say the funniest part to me is the CGI uh, at the very end. Um, I, I, I made my wife stop what she was doing and come in and watch because she and I watched this movie many years ago. I think it was in the 90s, actually, called Bad Moon. And Bad Moon, yes. I always felt, had the worst werewolf transformation in it that I'd ever seen. I was wrong. Um, <laughs> I had not seen Howling 7. So that, to me, was the the funniest. And... and um, I, I made that up about Pappy killing himself. <laughs> we should have just left it in there. <laughs> Don't break you know, he, he might have after finding out about the uh, the tape that Ted recorded, though. <laughs> well, remember in the credits, this movie is dedicated to Pappy because he did die. Oh, after no. Oh. So no. Andrew's theory may be correct. Glenn? Oh, man, there's so many good ones to choose from. I mean, there's the time when he talks about how he was almost a world-famous rodeo rider, kept falling off his horse. I don't know. It's, it's just it's too hard to pick one. <laughs> wow. I, I, think, I think for me is the awkward laugh that he has when he points out, as you said, when he goes back to the guy who's rubbing down his bike and he's like, you missed a spot. Because that's what I do to my one friend who I made watch this movie to make him remember it. I just 
We'll walk by him at some point. And I'll go, hey, they missed a spot. And he will then proceed to swear at me for five minutes. <laughs> I, I will give you my favorite of this entire film. And it is, comes from the priest. The priest is giving this cockamamie, long-winded explanation as to where werewolves come from. And we find out that werewolves take three years to grow to full power, supposedly, as they become engorged. That was a gross thing to say. He might as well have said moist. (laughs) I mean, the first thing that pops in mind is boners. Yes. And your case where will six years become moist. (laughs) It takes them six years to develop their nougat. So at the end of the day, what ends up happening in the film, there's this big, huge cockamamie, you know, mystery that we've already said. And eventually we find out the one female's a werewolf. She bad morphs into uh, a rubber dime store mask and bursts out of a a door to a hail of uh, gunfire sound effects. And then we we, uh, crossfade into yet another, probably the fifth in the line of uh, horrible country tunes at uh, Pappy and Harriet's bar. Um, I guess more than five. Oh, there's, there's a ton. I mean, there's Pappy's epic uh, track stand up. Everybody sit down. Oh, I thought it was called Race War. (laughs) (laughs) And then there, but the last track, we get to hear Clive Turner talk, to which he's promptly cut off in the the cheesy ass uh, soundtrack that uh, got stuck in Scott's head earlier, gets played at maximum volume while the rest of the the credits roll on out folks let's go ahead and wrap this up let's uh, let's go ahead and give our final thoughts for howling seven new moon rising and a thumbs up and thumbs down glenn or aka clive turner what uh, what do you give this i was gonna big thumbs up <laughs> down 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 sorry i was possessed by i don't know what no there's nothing everyone should watch this because everyone needs to know pain <laughs> and suffering. And then the fact that, oh, you're having a bad day. Watch <laughs> this. There's someone out there who, you know, who probably lost their job at New Line because they said, oh, I was supposed to put that on the burn pile, not the public pile. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm bad. So, yeah, thumbs a uh, little bit towards the nether reaches of inferno <laughs> andrew shearer i think i get it i think i get what you guys are saying my i think maybe my biggest problem with howling seven is that it wrongly assumes that horror fans um like country music you know because like what metalhead is walking around 
listening to the Oak Ridge Boys or what horror fan rather. It, it, I, I feel like uh, he doesn't know anything about movies and doesn't know anything about the audience for it or anything else. Elvira. Exactly. <laughs> right? I love that song. Yeah. Hey, it's the song they made about the Mistress of the Dark. It's totally cool. <laughs> no, that song's about his mother who he had sex with. I, I just... <laughs> You I, hush I, your mouth. I don't. I, I like a lot of movies that are considered bad, but I couldn't find for me and any of the things that I normally like uh, about it. The '90s, that period of the '90s, was not the greatest for for horror, and this is. Um, uh, it makes Lawnmower Man to uh, look like uh, the greatest thing ever, like you know, like a blow because he learned. As a, as the executive producer of Lawnmower Man Two, he learned from his bad experiences with this. Well, I think anyone that gave money to those other Howling movies that is complicit in this film. So if you watch this, you know it's just like kicking yourself in the face and squirting bloody diarrhea in your mouth. It's you. It's your fault. Oh. It's, it's just a really awful turner of events, I would say. Oh. Oh. It would not be a show without a sheer pun, man. Yeah, I would, yeah. Or I mention love bloody it. diarrhea. Uh, <laughs> and, or, or that either, yes. Um, yes. You know, yeah, okay, God almighty, of course, down, thumbs down, thumbs down. Huge thumbs down. It really is one of the worst films I've sat through. And here's the thing is I've sat through it twice, and I will probably watch it again. Here's why. Um, as un- intolerable as it is, I have seen Manos multiple times on – without any riffing or anything like that. Uh, same thing goes for um, Birdemic. Um, Rift Tracks recently did a Roller Gator. I saw Roller Gator five years ago. Um, the films of Scott Shaw and Donald G. Jackson. Uh, not Hell Comes to Frogtown, the other ones. These are all films that are really hard to sit through and are really bad. And I think that Howling New Moon Rising really fits in that. We've been bitching about this movie for more than an hour, guys, and we still haven't covered everything. We didn't cover the great line of dialogue, this guy must be the most dumb son of a bitch and werewolf ever. Well, that's why he's so clever. (laughs) We, We didn't cover the police officer who just starts kicking the crap out of Ted for no apparent reason. We didn't cover... So many things that just make you want to like just like hold your head in your hands because it feels otherwise that your kind of brain is just gonna spill out of your ears. This movie, Derek did not oversell this movie. <laughs> Derek did not oversell this movie. And Shane, God bless you, man. You've had this. You've been living with this your entire life, haven't you, man? <laughs> I, I watch it every year. Holy cow. Uh, I mean, and I know I'm going to probably revisit again, too, and I'll probably make other people watch because I want people to suffer. Derek's been here like here, like a little Wisconsin imp, like going, Ooh, I'm so excited to see have people watch this. Yeah, look at him. Look at him rubbing his hands together. You guys can't see it on the, on the uh, other stream and everything like that, but oh, yeah, he's demonic right now. Anyway, but yeah, absolutely thumbs down, but I will probably watch it again. In that way that you would watch a Faces of Death, because sometimes you just really want to see, like, you know, human beings suffer. <laughs> Namely yourself, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a total masochism thing. I will say this really quick as, as the last thing, is that I've mentioned before 
about an extra that is available on the uh, Scream Factory's uh, Blu-ray of The Howling, their first movie, the good one. Um, and this producer of those of the Howling movies goes through each installment and talks about them uh, in brief, like just like a minute or two each. And this is the one where he said, yeah, I just gave it to Clive Turner. He said he had an idea for the next one, so I just gave it to him. And it was this part seven. Now, he has good things to say about every single installment in the series. Like, oh, I, part two, I thought that was really good. Marsupial werewolves in part three, that was great. Part four, yeah, we had some sound problems, but we tried to get things to work. Part five, yeah, we had a castle, and it was really great. You know, all he has good things to say about all these. This is the one where he just really is like, ah, yeah, that one. Oh, <laughs> he has nothing positive to say about that one. And it's the only one out of the eight that you can say that about. And this is the most affable, easy to please guy ever. I mean, you gave this guy a cupcake and he'd be like your best friend. <laughs> but he has nothing positive to say about part seven. And I think that sums it up. So, yeah, thumbs down. Watch it if you're into train wrecks, though. Seth. After the second time I watched it, I went on to Letterboxd to log it, and I saw <coughs> just a plethora of half-star, one-star reviews. And then at the very end, I see one five-star review. <laughs> and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is that Derek Carey? <laughs> and I click on it, and it's Derek Carey. <laughs> so, oh, mad, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, power <laughs> level nine thousand. <laughs> I I gave it I gave it the lowest rating I could. Thumbs down. But I've set up viewings with various friends that can appreciate or try to appreciate movies such as this. Uh, a friend that loves Troll Two, another friend that loves Manos, and I'm somewhat excited to actually sit through this movie a couple more times just to see what they have to say. So I'm going to say thumbs down, trending towards we'll see. It, it, I I love what's happening here. I, I truly <laughs> do. I'm, gonna, I'm holding my breath for my final thoughts, but I'm going to move on to Mark the Movie Man. Mark the Movie Man. I, I got to give it a thumbs up. Good uh, for you, Mark the Movie Man. There you go. And I'm not just I'm not just saying that because after watching a third time, I'm sitting here going, I could watch this again. And and I don't know why, because I know in the back of my brain, this is this is really bad. But there's something there's just something about it. I mean, you you watch enough movies and you see all these people try to make try to make bad films because that's the thing now if you watch a lot of stuff where they're trying to be bad most of those fail this film you can tell who's ever making this thinks they're making a movie there's some genuine heart behind it they they think they're making something here it, it and that's what i love about it is the fact that yes it's awful dialogue horrible editing plot what plot um but at its core you're watching this going everyone involved is having fun and they these people are making a movie they went to this town and these folks who've never acted before going i'm in a movie 
know? <laughs> you know, I get a lot of dialogue about country music. You, you know, you, you get the women in there who get to be friendly and then catty towards the widow lady for some reason, which I don't know about. I want to know. There's just so much genuine awfulness about it because they're tr- they they are totally in. They're all in. You can tell they're trying to make a movie. They're all in. And you see so many movies nowadays try to achieve what this film accomplished without trying. I guess is the best way to put it, if that makes sense. Absolutely, Uh, Mark. And that's why I enjoy it. I am under no illusion whatsoever. This is a horrible film. Do not get me wrong on that. If looking at it from just a filmmaking perspective, this thing is a piece of it. Yeah. Whoever at New Line Cinema greenlit this, goodbye. Uh, But as just watching a film, I enjoyed it so much because it was so genuine in its badness that you've got to appreciate, I think, at least that. If nothing else, and I think people should watch it because it is an experience. People think they watch bad films because they watch, oh, Birdemic or Birdemic 2 or, you know, Scary Movie 80,000 or whatever. No, watch this film. This is a true bad, it's good, it's bad film. And it's because there's more heart in it than 8,000 of those parodies that are out there today. Angelique, I I'm I'm gonna sound like I'm on uh, Mark the Movie Man's coattails here, but I have to give it a giddy, confusing, mind blown thumbs up, simply because it's so bad that it's so much fun to sit through. I mean, I watched it the first time, and I I guess I wasn't paying attention because I think I got caught in the same trap. I thought we were filming or or, or recording whatever a, a week before. So I watched it, and it wasn't as painful. But then when I actually sat down and, and paid attention to it, my, my Facebook can attest, and, and Scott was a witness to this, <laughs> my, brain, my brain just completely melting down. It's so bad, but you, it, it's not on purpose bad. It just turned out that way, and they tried really hard to be funny and witty and just failed miserably at every single turn, not to mention the – lack of werewolves and then when you finally reveal one it's like they just took powerpoint transition slides and just put it over a dog mask (laughs) you know know? (laughs) it was so bad and and just the trying to weave together this this crazy tapestry between howling four and howling seven everything that happened is related no completely didn't work but they were honestly trying to do something cool and just missed the mark completely. And I, I have, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, which is, you know, that's saying a lot, but it, it honestly, it's something you have to share with people and, and sitting here watching it alone. I'm like, Oh God, there's so many people I want to subject to this, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, giddy, giddy, stupid, crazy thumbs up not not like you know yeah this is my favorite movie ever but it's one that's that's definitely going to hang around shane 
I couldn't sing the praises of this film enough. Uh, it has everything. It is a clip show. It is the weirdest musical ever. It is the worst mystery detective story ever. It's it's perfect. It it uh, but I don't know who the star. What is the star in this film? Is it the acting? The great acting? Is it the music? But I think it's Clive Turner in his editing role, because uh, my favorite section of the movie is probably the father and the detective talking, because. He must have, Clive Turner must have filmed it all in one shot. And then he's like, holy shit, I just, I have all the, it's just exposition because it's the clip show where the father keeps creating new powers that this werewolf has. Well, now it can shapeshift and now it can mind control and now it becomes engorged. So he had to uh, cut up all this exposition in the chunks throughout the film, but he didn't realize they're wearing the same clothes. So within, like, it's days that Ted's been working at this bar, but they're still talking. <laughs> they haven't moved. And then the, well, then the guy... Remember, every time they start talking, the cop gets tired and then says, hey, we need to go get some fresh air or I need a drink. But the next day, he's still wearing his same clothes. Hey, low rent. Harry Mason has one suit, okay? But he he, he does finally change, and then he comes back, and he talks to them. And where that's when they bring in Marie Adams, and she starts talking. And then she goes into her clip show segment, but it's a different woman who's ADRing the narration. It's not Marie Adams. And then they don't know how to finish her scene, so they just show some woman who's not Marie Adams, like, just laying in a ditch. And they're like, oh, she must have fell out of a window. Like, that's how you you brought her back. At, at the end of part four, she died. A werewolf jumps out of the fire to kill her. She's dead. They bring her back to not even show her death scene. She, they just throw some woman in the in a, in, in a ditch. I love this movie. It's... It, it's perfect. It's perfect. That's what a movie. Just an abandoned, uh, the, the body of an abandoned, of, an, of a nameless woman in a ditch. That's a perfect degree of this movie. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the dance sequence with the the all three guys in their sombreros. Oh, the sweeping up. Eight bit yeah. music. Oh my god, I loved it. That's been in my head for days. Like. <laughs> Or when, or when they're drinking their their timed jokes, where they're drinking their shots and their beer, and then putting out their glasses, like I can, anytime I see that, I could just think of Clive Turner like trying to orchestrate the joke because he obviously that's not in a script. It can't be in a script. Nobody wrote that down. He's just like, okay, you sit in the bar, and you drink your shot, and then drink your beer, and we'll cut to me, and I'll do it, and then somebody else will do it. It'll be great. And I just I love asking questions about the meta knowledge of this movie, like the behind the scenes. I could never not watch this movie. Thumbs up as high as they go. Yeah. It, it, it seriously, like we had alerted to before this movie is nothing more than a series of dad and grandpa jokes strung out for an hour and a half with a wolfman, uh, just all of a sudden wolfman showing up in the last five frames of the film. And now for, for now 21 years that this film has been out there in the world. 
I have tried to subject this film to every last person I have ever met or come into contact with because I believe the same as you guys had said, there is something about this film that is so insanely like idiotic and and pointless but yet it's so there and i know not everyone's going to agree with me there's something so in innately charming about it that that i every time it hits the last scene in uh and ted gets cut off in the middle of his song all of a sudden i kind of i kind of weep a little bit inside and i'm like I just hated the last 15 minutes of this movie because my brain hurt trying to wrap itself around what happened, but I'm kind of sad that this is ending. <laughs> Did you listen to the lyrics of that song? Dirty Dog Blues. He's yeah. singing about how they thought he was a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he is. Yep. He's like, they thought I was a werewolf, but na na na. It's so bizarre. And that brings up an interesting thing because he is a werewolf. But they never have him turn into a werewolf throughout the that's whole where, That's where my point comes from. He's not a werewolf. I think, honestly, something really got lost in the script. He's not a werewolf. He is not one of the evil creatures that asshole Father Dowling was talking about. He is an avenging spirit. He was trying to protect everybody. That's why he was the tow truck blocking the road. That's why he was trying to keep everybody there. Hold up, the hold up, hold yeah. up, hold yeah. up, hold yeah. up, hold yeah. up. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just let's just stop trying to like rewrite this film into something it's not this this movie makes zero sense there it, it literally is a just nothing but bad puns and jokes what would drive a man this is what i, I want to find clive turner and I want to talk to him in a very serious way because I think genuinely, like I said before, I, I bet you he's a, a really super nice guy. I bet you he's oh, a great yeah. guy. He has great <laughs> intentions. He wanted to make these were people that he was was friends with. This was a town that he had kind of put under his wing and the, he had found and then all of a sudden loved the atmosphere there and decided, you know what, I think I'm going to make a movie here. Uh, who knows if he actually lived there or what the, the story was. I am fascinated as to how this movie got made. I have no, I've, I've been searching high and low to find anything about this film, and I have come up with nothing. Absolute that's, dust. That's partly why I gave it a thumbs up, because you can tell. I mean, this wasn't just a thrown-together, you know, filmed-in-your-friend's-basement thing. This was honestly, he loved the subject matter, and he tried so hard to make it something cool that related to the rest of the films, you know? So it, it, it has a lot of heart in it. And that's why, you know, I couldn't give it a thumbs down because you could tell he was having a blast. He Every was, scene he was in, he was having a fucking blast. Of course, because he got to sit and drink on set all day and tell bad fucking dick <laughs> jokes. That's what this movie is. It's an hour and a half of grandpa dick jokes and uh, him drinking and, and pappy drinking. So honestly, I this is a film. I love bad films. I'm a fan of a boarding house, a troll, a troll two. Oh. I actually do like <laughs> Birdemic. I watch it quite often because I find it just as cockamamie, but this <laughs> is the king of them all to me. I know growing up, Shane and I used to watch troll two all the time, like all the time. 
this movie is the king of them to me because it is just flabbergasting and i have fun watching this every single time and i love sending i because i know there's more than just me out there people who like finding things that are so that so go off the rails and so get everything wrong that they that they actually become you know it's the it's so good it's so bad it's good type thing this is the king of them to me and i know not everybody agrees but I can't recommend this enough. And it's funny that Seth went to Letterbox and found that I was the only five star review on Letterbox. I, <laughs> That's so I, beautiful. I, 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 can find that. Myself, I can see myself coming around to this way of thinking, though. Seriously, I really can. Yeah, I'll give it one more viewing, Scott. I'm half, Come on. I'm halfway there already. Uh, like, as I said, I'm going to watch it again, I'm sure. I think I know how he got the film made. You, you asked how it happened. It's a small town, right? Yeah. Small towns have their secrets. I think he blackmailed the whole town in this movie. He found something out. Maybe that skeleton in the wood that they found with the blonde wig, maybe that wasn't as fake as we think it is. (laughs) Blackmail, Derek. Blackmail. Oh, Oh boy. We well, hopefully we find out. I've been searching high and low to dig up some information on this film, and I came in contact with a – with a person that's actually putting together a Crystal Lake memory style book on the Howling films. So yeah. I'm hoping to, to, to get them on the show in a future episode and maybe we can uncover some of this uh, mystery and intrigue, not in the film, but how this fucking movie ever got made. So um, we're, I'm really shocked that we're actually kind of split on this film. <laughs> in the panel today because I was expecting everyone but Shane and I to completely just fart all over this thing but um, but with that let's go ahead and walk away from Howling New Moon Rising and let's fast forward to 2011 and Howling Reborn I need you to be strong and stay with me because you're the one who's going to have to kill me Tonight, when the blue moon rises, we will lead this world into a new era. Do you believe us now? I know a lot of people dog Howling 7 and and consider it to be the worst film in the series. You know my thoughts about Howling 7. Yes, it's a horrible, horrible, terribly made film. Let's go ahead and go into the plot synopsis. Um... Before I start having Tourette's and just telling you how much of a piece of fucking garbage this movie is. Plot synopsis of Howling Reborn. Oh, did I already let the cat out of the bag? I'm sorry. Uh, The plot synopsis of Howling Reborn. A teenage outcast discovers he is a werewolf and must battle a pack of the brutal creatures when they threaten him and his new girlfriend. Now, Howling Reborn came almost 15 years after the last film and it's directed by first time director Joe Nimzicki and actually stars actresses compared to the last film where it was a bunch of backwater yokels in some town. They actually got actors and actresses for this film. We had Lindsay Shaw, who was a Nickelodeon actor actress for a while when she was younger and then was in pretty little liars. 
Landon Liborian. I don't know if I'm saying these right. I'm I'm attempting. So if I'm wrong, sue me. Uh, he was in uh, Degrassi, The Next Generation, and the new Netflix series Hemlock Grove. And then uh, Ivana. I can't say her last name. I I have no idea. But she uh, was Melissevich. <laughs> Melissevich. Um, yeah, she I'm was guessing. in uh, Casino Royale, Enemy of the State, and a bunch of – she was a TV actress for a while. So this time we actually have actors and actresses. We have a, a movie that looks like a movie, feels like a movie. It's wonderful production value. It uh, actually is stylish. I, I, I'll fight that it's not really edited well, but you could say that it, it, it it's competently edited to a point. But – um. It is literally, what if you were to take an old dead franchise and try and reboot the thing for a modern audience? Now, you this film, the, the producers obviously saw Twilight and decided, you know what? Why don't we make one just purely about the werewolves instead of the vampires and the werewolves? And why don't we use... The Howling franchise that was based on horny werewolves in Sleaze when they were actually in the films, the, the werewolves when they were actually in the films. Why don't we use that as our flagship and, and, and make a twiling teen drama romance film off of that? Because that's all this movie is, is, is a Twilight ripoff for an hour and a half. Angelique? Absolutely. You nailed it on the freaking head. This movie is so angst ridden. I mean, I'm sorry. That poor kid put him on antidepressants stat. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Oh my God. I'm a state of apathy and this and that. I mean, what, what's your name, kid? Uh, 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 I don't feel right in my own skin. Please, somebody. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, my God. I hated it. I hated it. So it, this. OK, so as Clive said in Howling 7, I'm into sadomasochism bestiality and necrophilia therefore i'm beating a dead horse this movie was nothing but beating a freaking dead horse and and reverse oedipus complexes oh god i mean seven hurt seven hurt me worse than three but you guys weren't here to witness that eight Mm mm-mm that we give shitty films a pass all day long. I mean, honestly, even the folks of us that hated seven, hated four, five, six, three, two, we still gave it a pass. This one was like a legit, we're making a movie movie, and it freaking sucked. My main thing with the film was that it had the most painfully unironic dialogue that was so ultra serious that it made me want to chip out my eardrums <laughs> and mm-hmm. stomp them into the ground. <clears throat> it, it, it is obviously a movie that was, it, this could have been, if certain scenes were taken out of it, this could have played on Nick, Nickelodeon or the Disney Channel. It felt like it felt. I've watched enough of those films because I are in enough of those shows because I have three daughters and they watch that kind of stuff all the time. And this film felt 
exactly in line with that. It was not for a horror audience. This is for a younger demographic that are into romance and teen high school stuff. This is not for people that were into the Howling series, which to me, it, it, it feels so I, – I can't – I don't understand what they were thinking other than trying to get extra tickets for, for – or not even tickets because it never went out. It went straight to video. Yeah. Um, get get an audience to watch this. Um, it was Degrassi with werewolves. Are, are there people who are into the Howling series, though, at this point? I mean, let's face it. I mean, the, grand, the brand has been degraded since part two. Well, I mean, like Derek said, it's it's totally riding on the coattails of Twilight, the vampire versus werewolf. Oh, howling, that means werewolf. Let's make it sweet and sexy and sleek and cool with a lisping foreign buddy. You know, <laughs> oh, uh, I'm going to kill you now. You're hitting on my girlfriend, you know, whatever. <laughs> Andrew, what did what did you I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this one, because I think we can all agree from a filmmaking standpoint. This is a head and shoulders, probably the best feeling and looking film since part three. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, uh, this was the only one that because I owned one, two and three uh four five and six i got off of hulu seven i watched on youtube and i hated seven so much it felt so like it was such a waste of time i decided i did not want to pay to watch howling eight especially after what i understood it was going to be like i've never seen a twilight don't want to so i watched it on youtube and um the only version they had was dubbed in turkish <laughs> that's what I watched, and I'll tell you. Oh, no, no I'm, serious. I'm serious. Turn I was able, I was, yeah, I was able to follow it completely, and I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I'm at a loss right now. Yeah, it was fine. I could send you the link if you don't believe me. I sat and watched the whole no, thing. No, I totally believe you. I just can't believe that that's the version you watched. Yeah, no, I was. You, you know, I was like, would, if, you didn't watch the English version at all. No, I wasn't able to find it for free. So. Um, <laughs> I was able to follow it completely. It was fine. I was like, you know, I watched a few minutes and I'm like, you know, if this isn't working, if I'm not understanding what's going on, you know, I'll turn it off. Well, that's the thing. Um, You know, he's doing like a Google search. That's in English. There's a lot of things. It's so, it is so cliche and so rote and so standard that um, you don't need to um, be able to even understand what anyone is saying. It communicates everything perfectly cinematically. And I don't think that, I think I think that's a that's a that just speaks to it being solidly made. It might not be the most original movie or even like, you know, a cool or anything. It's it. I would have never watched it, but um, the fact that I watched it in Turkish and that I was able to follow it and I was into it, um, I think that says something good about the movie. Dude, Sorry. this is unbelievable because honestly i think you found the only way i would ever be able to watch this movie. <laughs> it really works i'm like send me that link because the english version yeah oh, so. i'll post it in the uh in the chat there no i would it worked fine for me i mean well, the main reason why <laughs> the script comes off so horribly hackneyed and terrible is because how seriously the actors deliver this horrible dialogue. It is grating. It made me by halfway throughout the film. I literally hated what I was doing. 
it was insulting as a Howling fan or a horror movie fan <laughs> that they would do this. This I hated this movie. Um, Seth, what were you thinking when you started watching this thing? You know, uh, what everybody else has said, I can reiterate, but I just don't know who the hell they like were marketing this towards because I actually bought the Blu-ray for this. Um, <gasps> now, three bucks, you know, so I've already sold it on eBay. I'm waiting for the payment. This does not look like a Twilight ripoff at all. No, it doesn't. Werewolf artwork. So I don't know who they're marketing. They could have made a lot more money, I'm sure, if they would have just put on a sparkly werewolf, smoky-eyed girl, nerdy guy cover, right? Because that's what this is is about, is the nerdy guy coming of age, gets a little attitude, beats up the, uh, the Eastern European guy with the gun and steals his girlfriend. And just they, so they had gold. I mean, the the lead guy. I mean, he is a petri dish sperm cocktail of Robert Pattinson and Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Oh my just, god, that is so perfect. <laughs> this whole movie just felt like absolutely nothing to do with werewolves or the howling until the last twenty minutes. And there's a lot of sexual tension between the mom and the kid and her son. It's just a weird incestual mess of high school <laughs> but they put sex back into the howling because of that you know that yeah and, and i guess since it's incestual a little bit of that sleaze is back too yeah yeah that's that that is true i think if there's anything positive i, I am gonna say about this movie other than the production value is that there was a scene where um the werewolf uh wolf pack which are is the most demographically diverse wolf pack where they have a white guy, Asian guy. Wait, are you are you telling people there's werewolves in Howling Reborn? <laughs> are you telling people that? <laughs> yes, there are actually werewolves in Howling Whoops. Reborn. Uh-huh. And these are arguably the best looking werewolves since part one. Whoops. Yeah. I, I'll agree I'll agree with you there. Uh oh. What? Except for the rat tails and the bunny ears. Okay, Andrew, what's going on? Just listening to you guys saying that you hate it and then saying awesome things about it that it or kick the ass of all everything since three. <laughs> this is all I'm hearing. This is, this is true. the first werewolf werewolves we've seen since three. Too, okay, so. okay. So if we're Sorry. going, if we're going to place an argument that this is this is is better than those films. Okay, let's let's just say this. There this, are this how I feel. Well, there is werewolves in this film, yet it's edited in such a way that you can't see them at all until the very final scene. So it's nothing but flashes of movement and blurred motion for the vast majority. It's a werewolf film that's afraid to actually show that it has decent-looking werewolves in it. If you were to use a stopwatch, man, and calculate all that up, you know, it would still equal more than any of those screen time. And I agree with Andrew there. And also, Derek, here's the thing. Uh, they didn't have a ton of movie money to work with, and obviously they didn't hold their budget nearly as well as uh, part one that had the work of Rob Bottin on it, right? Didn't, didn't we didn't we establish that it had the work of Rob Bottin? I can't remember. Yes, because it's, he looked like a werewolf, and that's how he exactly, got the job. That's right. That's right. Now I remember. Okay. And now – so but we're what we're dealing with most of the time – I mean there's a few CGI werewolf shots in there. And there's other CGI shots in here as well. Because it's, it's modern filmmaking. That's just what they do. Live with it. Um, but we actually get people in werewolf suits. Now, 
the suits aren't that good. <laughs> but so if you actually keep the camera on them for a long time, the longer you keep the camera on them, the worse they look. So what do you want? Do you want a movie that doesn't show werewolves? Do you want a movie that shows CGI werewolves? Or do you want a movie that will actually show practical effects, but know enough to say, uh, we got to make these quick edits? Nah, I don't agree. I don't agree. I, th- I actually think the werewolves do look good. And in extended scenes where they actually show them, they're basically an amalgamation of like the underworld werewolves um, and the howling from the first movie and dog soldiers. It's that kind of design. And I would say the, dog soldiers, yeah. The extended shots where you do get to see them, they're cool looking fucking werewolves. So I don't agree that it was out of necessity that they – it was the total style style choice because the film has a very 90s visual style and editorial style to it. it to me, it felt like a bad Crow sequel with hyper edits and uh, constant music that was telling you how to feel all the time. And the, the visual ticks and the editorial ticks were, were a conscious choice. The makeup, it, w- it was good. Editorial and their decision uh, aesthetically how the pl- film was going to play ruined any chance of those w- werewolves coming off decently in my mind. I thought it was I thought it was just fucking handled so piss poorly. Shane, what did you think of this thing? I have never been so turned off from a movie from like the credits. Like it has it's it opens with the twilight font like the credit the font i shouldn't be talking about the font but it just opens so it opens with the twilight font and and then the opening shots are in this garish blue filter and it's exactly what they did if anybody has seen twilight like the first twilight film is it's blue yeah it's supposed to be overcast in uh seattle area or washington rather and it's just and then it just becomes, once they do all the Twilight uh, plot points, it becomes the Lost Boys with this weird gang of, instead of vampires, it's werewolves. But it is, I've just never, right after that, just seeing the title treatment, I've never watched a movie so passively. Like this is, on paper, it's got flamethrowers, it's got fighting werewolves, it's got like cougar sex, it's <laughs> bondage, I mean, it's got a, a chick in a little squirrel outfit, but it, I don't know, it just did nothing for me, I don't know, it, I mean, all I saw was the it, its ambition to just rake in in that Twilight money. And I've seen all the Twilight movies inexplicably, but this is like I just it does nothing for me. Yeah, I I could there's agree. No, there's not the fun. There's not the fun of like um, the marsupials. Like what? That's 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 insanity. But this is just it's it's a cliche, and it, it yeah, overdone. And it doesn't have an original voice of its own whatsoever. Not that exploitation film always needs to have an original voice, but this felt like such a cash grab that that's all that mattered in this film. I'm, I am amazed and, and honored that we have Mark the Movie Man had to leave, unfortunately, tonight. He couldn't handle um, – he told me off air that um, he could not handle coming in and actually talking about Howling 8 – 
um, because he had a very bad experience, personal experience with the film in the past. So he called on one of his favorite people in the world to fight the crime that is Howling 8 Reborn. Batmark has come in to help hopefully save the day. Batmark, thank you for coming back on the Astro Radio Z. Uh, I'd just like to say it. it's an honor to be here. I found out from Howling when I walked on Robin. He was he was playing with his Batwang to the credit scene of Howling 2. And I was like, what are you watching? And he's like, I'm watching Howling 2. And I'm like, what is this? Why are there tits here? <laughs> you know, you're a kid. Go away. So after I watched that movie, um, <laughs> I watched the rest. And then I watched this one, and I was like, okay, Robin, you can watch this, because it's okay. Not that it's good. But when I got done with this one, uh, I was fighting Man Bat one time, and he was flying in the air, and I was holding onto his legs, and his guano, his guano hit me in the eyes, and it burned. And that feeling was what I got when I watched this film. It was Bat, Man Bat guano, <laughs> in the eyes burned it you gotta pour milk in your eyes to clear that out by the way i i went through a gallon of milk it didn't help uh, I, I did like the hot old lady uh she reminded me of Catwoman, kind of only she was a dog so i guess that makes her dog woman um, yeah uh flamethrower was cool Batmark, uh, you're having a tough time. I, I, why is it that it, it, you kind of sound like Mark the Movie Man? You, it, no, I'm not Mark the Movie Man. Oh, are you sure about <laughs> that? There, there's, there was hints of Mark the Movie Man in that. I'm Batmark. <laughs> so, so Mark the Movie Man, are, are, are you saying that this was a painful experience for you? I, I would, I would. It was there. It, it was this movie did nothing. Whereas at least seven, it was. Wait, so wait, bad. is this Mark the Movie Man? Wait, I see Batmark. What's going on here? I'm very you, confused. You just, you just, you just said my name, so I'm here. <laughs> so we, you heard it here first, folks. Batmark is actually Mark the Movie Man. Yeah, <laughs> it's real. I'm sorry. It's, it's the glasses. I know the glasses threw you off. <laughs> my heart is broken. I love Batmark. I I, I, I'm sorry, folks. I, 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 it was a ruse. I was a little delirious from fighting Supermark. Batmark versus Supermark, if you go see it. Um, I was a little delirious. I forgot who I was there for a minute. I do apologize. But this film, um, yeah, it was there. It, it really was there. It did, did nothing for me. Yes, there were werewolves. But... Yeah, I it got done. I was like, okay, yeah, I want to watch Seven again because this one felt exactly like it didn't. Yeah, there were werewolves in it, but this felt even less like a howling movie than the other ones did. You know, agreed. It, yeah, and I don't know why because it had werewolves in it. It had it had the sleaze parts, and I'm like, oh, hey, there's sex in here. But in the end, I was just like. I want to watch the other ones because this one definitely is someone got a hold of the name and they said, Hey, let's make a movie. Uh, and people will 
buy it because it has the howling name on it. But in the end, I'm like, yeah, this could easily be a, you know, Saved by the Bell episode where Zach gets extra hair on his nuts and doesn't know what to do. So he goes to Screech, who takes a look and he goes, oh, my God, you got hair on your nuts. And it was too slick. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's all I got for this film. I, I did not enjoy it. It was there. It felt it so cliched compared to the others that I I just couldn't get into it. Even at the end, I was like, hey, werewolves, okay. And then even that was, I bet she gets bit, and I bet she helps out. Yep, there you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> at least with Seven, you didn't know what the hell was going on, so you could never predict what was going on. Because you're like, does Pappy actually drink alcohol or not? You know, that was more of a mystery to me than, you know, whether or not she was going to get bit at the end and they're going to be a loving couple doing it doggy style the rest of their lives. Yeah. W-A-T-T-E-R, Mark. Water. Yeah, sure. Okay. Now, I'm really super interested to hear what Glenn has to say about this because was this the first time you've ever seen this movie, Glenn? It was the first time I've seen this one. And it, I can't say for sure it'll be the last. I'm especially intrigued now by the Turkish version because, yeah, I did. I mean, I, I like kind of where they're going with, with, with the story, you know. It's the fact that here's this kid, you know, who, you know, finds out he's a wizard, I mean, uh, a werewolf. Um, and his mom shows up and she's like, you know, all pissed because uh, this, you know, the teenage werewolf, like like most teenagers, has, has forgotten his line dancing roots. Um, <laughs> and, you know, she wants to bring him back into the fold, um, but he's having none of that. So, I mean, he's, they this new girl and they like raves and all that kind of stuff. And they're just not into the line dancing thing. So, um, but man, just they made it. I mean, I'll, I'll agree the werewolves are actually really well done. Um, but just having a good werewolf doesn't mean you're going to have a good movie. And you can even have a good movie and have what I think are pretty crappy werewolves like you did in late phases. Just the, the dialogue, as you said, is just so awful and so painful to sit through that even though I, I think the story's all right, I want more flamethrower. As soon as they had that, I'm like, oh, great. This is going to be some good. No, they just, he sets the floor on fire. What the fuck was that? Why go to the effort of making flamethrowers if you could just accomplish the exact same thing with a Zippo? Mm -hmm. Here's a flamethrower, but you never get to use it. If someone did that to me and said, here's a flamethrower, but you can't ever use it, I would fucking punch them in the nuts so hard (laughs) that their dick would pop off the top of their head. Come on, man. What is that? It's like... I I wanted him to at least melt one one werewolf so we could revisit Howling. Which one was that with the melty uh, transformation? We could revisit that. You know, I wanted wanted him to go Indiana Jones Nazi on one guy and just have him all go... That's what I wanted, but no, I don't get that. Instead, I get them laying the floor on fire. And then, am, am I wrong? Do werewolves not have claws? Because <laughs> the whole fight with his mom, it's its its like it's the WWF. It's Werewolf Wrestling Federation because they're just picking each other and throwing each other constantly. Oh, if man, you have time to stop and pick someone up, 
bury your claws through them. The chick figures it out in like four seconds of being a werewolf. Yep. Oh, I got these big sharp claws. I can rip people's hearts out. Mom, who's been a werewolf for what eighteen years, can't fucking figure this shit out. Now I'm just throw my son through walls. If I can say something, what threw me? I think what threw me out of the film right away. This is mom, because that's what she does. She throws. <laughs> claws yeah. Besides the mom. And the fact that the guy does have the nails, but he only uses them during sex with the girl. Two really bad versions of Don't Fear the Reaper. Uh, the same version, uh, as I just said, told Angelique, was the same version they used in the similar seduction scene in Scream. The it's most angstiest, angstiest yeah. sex scenes ever. But, but, also, that sex scene was fully clothed. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was lame. And I mean, like, her whole shtick was lame. Can we just get that out there? She was yeah. the stereotypical little, oh, I'm bad, I'm edgy. Oh, look how short my schoolgirl skirt is. Mirror, and, you know. And that was a weird time to fuck, too. That was a weird time to fuck. Well, and that's all that matters. Yeah, well. Well, I um, think what I think what it is is that that's what the problem I had with this film. When I what I was going to say was. Uh, where, where I was going with this was what took me out of the film right away was when he had the filmmaking buddy. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Yes, I love film, but we see this so much, especially in the newer quote unquote horror films, the self referential. I'm like, we got this in the late nineties with scream and it has not gone away Thank you. And that was the first thing that threw me out was the fact that his buddy not only was uh, not only was an aspiring filmmaker, but an aspiring horror filmmaker who had the shtick of when prom is going on, I'm going to break into the entire city's broadcast and show this horror film. And I'm like, really? is Wes Craven coming from the grave and calling you up and going give me my fucking idea back you little bastard (laughs) really that that's what took me out right away first thing was I'm like why does the buddy have to be a film guy and then we circle around to the end going oh my god we are trying to reboot the series for a new franchise but we're getting the whole thing over again I'm going to show you what it looks like to transform into a werewolf so you know that these people and i'm like wow really i mean it it had potential all the elements were there but they used every cliche in the book from previous films that you're like no give me something at least a little original and instead of the like you got someone else mentioned the lost boys rehash Yeah, the minute the guy, the minute the guy's friend was a horror film aficionado who was an aspiring filmmaker, I was like, ah, crap, because I knew where the rest of the film was going to head, and it went exactly there, and I think that just that that was minute one when I it, it checked me out of it, you know. Besides the twilight and the angst, I I think the same as we did with the last film with the favorite joke. Let's give our most cringe-worthy line of dialogue, each one of us, because I see in the chat everyone is starting to, <laughs> to quote the film. And I'll start it off with, with an especially wonderful little nugget. Remember that mere 2% that separates us from the animals? It's everything. I like that. I actually like that line. 
I hate, I, there's so much. Shane, what was your, your uh, cringeworthy line of dialogue? Well, I had listed in the chat earlier, which again is a direct rip of a line as if you need to be ripping uh, Twilight's dialogue of all things. It's the. So what is it about me? I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. It's like the rest of the world's in black and white. Here in color. And that's something almost exactly said in Twilight. In another one was there's like a Twilight jab. He's the the like the the movie friend like talks about how lame sparkly vampires are. It's like, do you are you seriously do you have the balls to rip on the movie you want to be so bad? And it's like uh, so confusing, so confusing what this this is for. <laughs> Seth, your line. Uh, when the the smoky eyed girl is professing her love to the not so geeky boy anymore, and she says, "I always knew it was you drawing me. You made me feel beautiful when I never did." Oh, that's poetry. That is pure poetry. <laughs> oh, Angelique, do you have one? This class. You guys oh. are making me feel like a complete asshole because I don't have an actual line, but just like no. any kind of dialogue between him and the camera. Like, hey, look, I need you to be strong and stay with me because you're the one who's going to have to kill me. And silver nitrate kills vampires when you weren't even in class for a whole semester, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel like I'm being rather rather mean spirited toward this movie. This movie just makes me angry. It just really makes me angry because it is such a freaking ripoff. I mean, I understand. Yeah, okay, we see that, that this franchise is doing great and it looks like this, and this franchise is doing pretty well too, and it looks like this. So we're just gonna take all the great things from either one of these franchises, regardless of how tiny those great things are, and make them big and in your face. But make them suck. Oh, okay. Until the until the if you make them suck part, there that was kind of like what an exploitation film is, though. Well, I mean, it, it tried but failed. It failed. Scott, you, we, I haven't actually given you your time to to kind of go on about uh, your thoughts on Reborn. You want to you want to let us all know what your thoughts well, are? Well, you can kind of figure it out. Okay, first of all, I gotta tell you, yeah, the dialogue in this movie really, really is the worst. It's terrible. It is absolutely terrible. But here's the thing. Uh, Derek, I think you mentioned that you thought that the actors were came on way too strong with their dialogue. I don't think they did. The it's the writing. The writing sounds like it was the script sounds like it was written by somebody who says, "Okay, this is the audience that we're aiming towards." Yeah. So, you know, they're not that in that audience. They don't know. They maybe not. They don't have kids that age or anything like that. So they're like, I don't know. Uh, check Twitter, uh, check Facebook or some emo blogs and find out what they're talking about or something. So it sounds like somebody, something that's written by somebody who doesn't know how to write for this audience. Hence, so it's the CW of werewolf films. Yes. Yes, but I actually like some of the shows on the CW, the superheroes, not the necessarily the other ones. Anyway, but <laughs> that wasn't uh, happening when this movie came out, though. 
But yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. And so the writer makes everything seem so overdramatic, so angsty. And in the end, I don't think it's the actors that come on too strong. I don't think it's the characters that come on too strong. It is the writing. It comes on way, way, way too strong. Absolutely. Now, this is a good movie. <laughs> yep, I liked this movie genuinely. I don't think it's the greatest movie ever. I don't think it's the greatest movie ever. But uh, Shane, actually, uh, who, who did not like the movie i'm not like dragging him into my little pit with me um but shane uh was very co correct he said that he had seen the twilight movies and that this is not like them at all even though it tries to mimic the style of them uh would that be correct shane like the absolutely however thematically i would say another film that shane name checked i would say it has more to do with like say like a lost boys or even a near dark in that it's about a guy who's of course like some you know misunderstood person because that's the person you have to cast as the lead in these things who gets involved with a girl and around the same time he uh comes under the influence of this demonic cabal of supernatural creatures just like those movies, them those movies it was vampires. In this movie, it's werewolves. I thought, okay, cliche, get it, but I'm kind of expecting the cliches just basically because I know what they're working towards. Having said that, this movie has a lot going for it. It has plot twists that I did not see coming. I did not see the 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 twist coming midway through. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. With um that his that the uh school nurse or whatever turns out to be his like long lost mother who is running the cabal i did not see that coming at all uh i thought that they did a good bit of misdirection by having the uh teenage girl reference uh staying staying with the pack and she has bits of dialogue and her flirty nature that makes you think that she's the werewolf but it turns out she's not lindsay shaw she was really good she had to act one way in the first parts of the movie and then act a different way in the second part of the movie and make it seem like it was the same character. Did it. And then you get to this third act. They went balls out with that third act and only to like, so, I mean, I know that there's probably never going to be a howling nine. And if there is, it's probably not going to follow the events of howling eight. We hope not. But let's be honest, like the last five minutes of this movie and then the end credit sequence where there's extra scenes going on throughout the end credits and you have to watch the end of the credits. Holy shit! <laughs> I was watching this and thinking like, good God, they, they're talking about a werewolf war and everything like that. I'm like, good God, that sounds epic. So now In they're my not notes, I typed the exact thing that Derek just... So now, so now they're not take, so now they're not just taking Twilight. They're not just taking the Lost Boys. They're taking like an underworld vibe, and they're trying to blend it all into one. When I was done with it, I'm like, you know what? That was a legitimately decent movie, and it's the first one I can say that about since Part One. So yeah, this is my second favorite of the series. I'd rated along outside other movies in the genre, certainly uh, that genre that today is aiming towards that younger crowd. I mean, let's not forget that this was not marketed towards 40-year-old horror fans. But I don't know how anybody could look at this as being worse than Part 7 or even any of the others, honestly. I looked at this and said, 
No, it was a decent film. I liked it. I liked Howling Reborn. I'll say it. Have, have uh, you watched? I mean, no offense, Scott, but were you dropped as a baby <laughs> and by a horse onto a freeway and then run over? You are right. It, it, as far as a, a film goes, this is a, an actual put-together, start-to-finish, bookend-to-bookend film. If you've watched a lot of the recent modern horror films, this is the Nickelback of the Howling series. <laughs> okay? I'm just, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Is, Bravo, Mark. Damn, I, it I cannot be put any better. I this know that's is the Nickelback quote. of werewolf films. I, I mean, I totally respect, I'm glad you, and I'm glad Andrew found, and I'm glad there are people out there who could enjoy it. And I think if I hadn't watched a lot of modern horror films in the recent decade, I probably would actually enjoy it too. Had I just, say I just sat down and watched the Howling films and all of a sudden I saw this and as a Howling fan, I watched it, I'm like, holy crap, this is actually a complete film. They actually were putting some thought into it. But if you watch enough of the modern, especially modern direct-to-horror, uh, horror direct-to-video stuff that they've put out ever since the Scream films, it it follows the formula so well. Like you were saying, you didn't see the twists coming. I unfortunately saw all the twists coming. Oh, see, that's, that's, what, a, that's a difference of opinion then. I and, mean. And, and that's but that's what bugged me. And that's why I'm saying when I watched it, all I could see is the a dozen other modern horror films that had come before it. And and that's what frustrated me. And I understand it was for a new audience. But even for a new audience, they borrowed so much from other films that I'm like, I just I couldn't get into it. I really have zero to add to this film. I want to I want to get let's get final thoughts uh, on this on this one. Um, Let's go down the line. And I think everyone could kind of get their uh, their final points out. Obviously, Scott, you you give this an emphatic thumbs up. Well, emphatic, I would not say like emphatic is saying like it's a horror classic. I would say it's the best one since the first one, though. So, yeah, I would give it a thumbs up. Very interesting. Andrew, ultimately, you've been kind of quiet on this one. Uh, You seem to have liked it uh, in some capacity. Uh, What are are your final thoughts? Thumbs up, thumbs down on this. Well, is Howling 8, how does it stack up against 7654321? That's all I care about. And uh, when I was watching it, I was going like, I'm actually into this movie. I don't know what anyone's saying because it's in Turkish. And I have not enjoyed (laughs) watching a Howling movie since part three. And maybe it's Eddie Murphy's thing. If you starving and somebody throw you a cracker, you're going to think that's the best cracker you ever ate in your life. Was that a rinse? Maybe that's what was going on here. (laughs) But I liked it. It was in Turkish and I liked it. Glenn, final thoughts. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, I personally, I gotta say, thumbs down on this one. I mean, like I said, it had good werewolves as far as our series goes, but still, it's the dialogue is so terrible. And yeah, okay, fine, stack it up. Is it as bad as seven? No, it's not as bad as seven. On the fact that you know it had was produced better, but the fact that seven had no one who was a fucking actor, and I actually enjoy that one more than I enjoy this one, where everyone's an actor. And this one had a budget probably, well, let's see, if it had a budget of $1,000, it had a budget one million times bigger than Howling 7. It's Howling in name only. And I just, they, they, they just try to tack on 
the howling to this at, at the end, and it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't mm-hmm. work it, at all. In its defense, almost every other film other than Howling 1 and 2 are howling in name only. But <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. We won't go there, but I, I tend to agree with you on almost everything there, uh, Glenn. Uh, Seth? Uh, I, I will say that it's not a complete Twilight ripoff in the sense that it does come to actual horror movie content, but it very much wants to cash in on the Twilight trend, and I think it wants to be Twilight and horror movie friendly and fails at both. Uh, yes, it's better made than the majority of these Howling movies, but I'd say, honestly, I'd only rather watch this one than part four. Everything else has something going for it over this one. I can't believe this one got made 15 years after another one to keep the series alive. So maybe in 2030, we'll get something else. Maybe Clive Turner can uh, tie part seven together with this one. <laughs> we can only hope, Seth. We can only yeah. hope. Shane, what do you have? What are your final thoughts? Thumbs up, thumbs down on this. Both are bad, but for different reasons. I mean, if we're going to compare the two, it's uh, there's something so fun about the like Clive Turner's magnum opus. Like, it, like he wasn't ripping anything off. He just had no idea how to tell a story or how, or how to act or to edit or anything like that. But this uh, with Reborn, it's just. I again, I've, I don't think I've ever watched anything so passively. Like it, 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 it entered my eyes, and it's just I, I guarantee to. I watched it today. I was like, I had it minimized on uh, my computer at work, and I, I, I'll forget about it tomorrow. I mean, I, I, I that's I, that's all I got. I mean, it's it's hard to have a fun conversation about it when you're just left with so little emotionally, like even in terms of like fun trash. So thumbs down. Mark, the movie man or bat Mark, whoever's there. I don't know who's there. anymore. <laughs> well, I just like to say, Andrew, uh, you do make a point compared to the others. If we want to compare this to the others, yes, as a movie, it was made well for me personally. I just couldn't get into it like some of the others. As far as a horror film in general, uh, I guess for me, the predictability for it took me out of it as well. Uh, production value wise, yes, it's all right, but I'd give it a, a, I still couldn't recommend this one. It isn't like the other Howling films, though it does have more werewolves and it does have a higher production value. Angelique. You know, it, again, as everybody has pretty much said, this is a very beautiful, well shot movie it has very high production quality but the story just loses it but i have to say thumbs down i mean it the fact that i can give howling seven a thumbs up and this a thumbs down just speaks to the power of the story and and the cast and everything because i I could not deal with that douchebag of a, a prepubescent werewolf i couldn't deal with him And I'm just going to wrap this all up and say this halfway through this movie, my brain shuts completely down. Yep. And I totally forget the film immediately after watching it. I've seen this three times now. I don't give one rat's ass how nice this film looks, how well it's constructed. 
it is incredibly forgettable and not meant for fans of the original series. <laughs> this film was not meant for like you like was said earlier is was not meant for 40 year old horror fans. We're talking about this is my opinion. We're talking a bunch of uh, guys that are around this age now. This film, if it's my opinion as to what this is, it's not for me. This, like I said before, this is a movie that would have played on the Disney Channel or Nickelodeon or is it plays on Netflix streaming in the kids section. If you would just take out a couple scenes, it plays exactly like all those movies. It's super serious and no sense of irony to it whatsoever. And it is grating. Like halfway through at the age that I'm at right now, this movie is grating. I could not handle it at all. And unfortunately I can't give a thumbs up to this whatsoever. And I know this is going to be downright shocking. This is my least favorite howling film of the entire series because it is so fucking forgettable and grating. Now I know I screamed about howling five, but this film is just so vapid and not one original bone is in its body whatsoever. This is a cash grab of the highest order. And honestly, I am glad I never have to watch it again. Glad I never have to watch it again. But folks, we're going to take a short break here and then we're going to come on back and we're going to put Put the stamp on the Howling franchise and say goodbye to it. Uh, we may bring some people on, or I may bring some other people on involved with the franchise in later episodes this year. But for us, for the core group of Astro Radio Zombies, we're going to say goodbye to the Howling series. So listen to a little music and we'll be right back. Children, the past. The 
folks, here we are. Another franchise, another year, all done. Let's let's wrap this up quick and let's just give our final thoughts on the Howling uh, franchise. We've endured eight movies. Hopefully, crisscross. Um, if they ever do make another one, it'll actually be decent. I doubt it. I I I mean, really, if I was gonna say anything, Howling one, two, and three are really the only good ones <laughs> of this series. Seven, yes, I love it to death, but that's not a legit like werewolf movie. I'd love to hear your guys' overall thoughts on on, on this because, as we always do, we always do a quick wrap up of, of the franchise after we're all done. So, uh, Andrew, what do you what do you think coming out of watching eighteen or eighteen eight Howling films? <laughs> no, like eighteen at times, but what do how did you come out after watching all the flicks? Uh, I mean, as as a thirty nine year old you know movie watcher, I, my judgment's been pretty good as far as picking stuff for myself and dodging stuff that I know I wouldn't like, I rarely dislike anything that I watch. And, uh, I never got into the howling series, um, liked one, two and three, uh, revisited three because of this show and end up, you know, loving that movie. Um, but no, I'm, I did not like, you know, I, 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 I yeah, the rest of them, I don't really like, I mean, even the ones I gave a thumbs up to, I just was like, <coughs> thanks for putting werewolves in the movie basically <laughs> because this is the howling and i want to see werewolves and my big problem is most of the movies don't have werewolves in them um my rule for things sucking though has to do if it is better for more of the time than it is bad and uh, a good example of the band guns and roses they were have been shittier for longer than they were good when they were good they were <laughs> awesome but the legacy of guns and roses is it's shitty and uh that's the way i feel about the howling is uh, the legacy of the howling unfortunately because there are more bad ones the good is it's a shitty film series and i'll never watch those again i i think you have to get going tonight so why don't you uh, let the I listeners do. of astro radio z know where they can find you uh, Amazon on demand. I have some movies, including uh, Doctor Humpenstein's Erotic Castle, where a woman strips her clothes off and turns into a werewolf and humps my leg. Uh, com and um, yeah, on Amazon on demand we have Fake Blood, Mondo Gonzo, Pajamas, and all of you guys rule. You know, I had such a good time talking about these movies with you. If I look forward to watching movies that I know I'm not going to like and aren't going to be good, that says something about what you've put together here. So I really appreciate it. And thank you for uh, letting me talk. As always, thanks for coming on to my show, Andrew. And uh, we'll talk later. Ooh, vaginas. <laughs> later. <laughs> and uh, Shane. What are your final thoughts? I know you didn't sit and watch all of these films, but I know throughout the years we've watched all of these films. So why don't you give your overall thoughts of the Howling franchise and uh, the films we watched tonight? Uh, Yeah, I've totally seen all these uh, before. Um, I just didn't watch them all again, as you guys were. Uh, Two is amazing. Red Brown? Yeah, of course. And uh, one, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's great, Captain America himself. Uh, part one's like a real movie. Part one's fun. Um, then they start to just fade a little. Like the, I know there's the circus one and there's the castle one. Of course, I know the castle one because seven. It always uh, gets me familiar with it again. Uh, it's not a good series. <laughs> um, Reborn's probably the worst. The best, of course, in my mind, is 
seven because I watch it all the time. But uh, <laughs> and one is a real movie, probably one. But for me, my favorite is seven. But I, would I recommend the series to somebody? No, it's it's it's. I mean, you got two. Two is great. One, two, and seven for me. That's about. That's about it. Cool. Seth, this was your first franchise. I brought you in. You've been a good bud of mine for a long time. How'd you come out with the Howling films, bud? I knew what I was getting into with parts one and two. I've seen them plenty of times. Part three I saw once before, but totally forgot what had happened. So that was a uh, fun one to revisit. Four through eight were completely new experiences. And uh, I wanted to check out the Howling franchise for a long time just based on part one. And I guess part two as well. I am a fan of part two. And I was completely baffled to find out that these were just full of shit. All the way through, just completely terrible movies. I didn't have a bad time watching them, I guess. You know, it was fun watching them and talking about them with everybody. But this franchise is really bad. (laughs) Shockingly bad to me. Uh, it starts out with such a classic movie. I guess that's how a lot of franchises are there now that I'm thinking about it. But the first two movies I have such a good time with, and then three is so bonkers changing into marsupials that I completely did not expect it to go off the rails from four through eight into uh, boring remakes and walks through castles and Pioneer Town and then a Twilight ripoff. It just... Every end of the spectrum is covered and in the worst way. And I've had a blast watching them, though. So, hey, I recommend them to nobody aside from parts one and two, really. And maybe part three if you're into weird gonzo kind of sequels. But I've had fun. So it's all a positive experience for me. Right on, man. Well, I'm glad you came on. We'll see what next year has in store i have some ideas but i'm not going to relinquish those uh to the public as of right now can't wait awesome glenn your third year third franchise how did this stack up i know you done you did the entire series on your web series so here Um, watching them again with us how'd you come out i view the howling franchise as it's like an amusement park with eight roller coasters and the first one, it's like your first, you know, real roller coaster you've ever been on. It's, it's a lot of fun. You enjoy it. And the second one, it's it's not quite as good as the first one, but it's, you know, it's different, man. You still enjoy it. And the next six are just a big guy named Yarl throwing you off a hill. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's just, it goes from, you know, what I think is the, for, for me, is, is, uh, the oh, best werewolf film ever made being the original Holland, for me at least in my opinion, it's the best werewolf film made and I rank it as probably one of my favorite horror films of all time and then the second one I think takes, you know, it's a, it's a step <laughs> down, but not horrible, and then everything else is just like well, this is just not even cinema anymore, I don't even know what it is but it's it's not even in the same field it's not even the same sport as, as the Howling is, so go from, from where you started to where you end up it's like, it's this is Webster's definition of, of, uh, of failure <laughs> it just, you started out so great and you squander, or squander that's even better, it's the Webster's yes. definition of squander because you had something brilliant and you just fucked the life out of it 
You fucked the life out of it. <laughs> I think that's part eight, uh, right? That's reborn where you fucked the life out of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Angelique. Yes. Let's hear it. This is this was your first one along with Seth. Yeah, it is. And I mean, this has been kind of an amazing ride. I mean, I thought I was broken at three, but when I hit seven, I was like, oh, I don't even know what broken means anymore. I warned you. I warned you. You did. You did. You did. You truly did. But I mean, it. Seven was so deceptive in that it was trying so hard and it was just so awful. But no, uh, I mean, the series as a whole, if it had continued like one started, it would have been great. I mean, there were some interesting steps and and Seven tried really hard to kind of bring it back. But overall, not great. I mean, it should have stopped at one. But the experience as a whole, you know, being with you guys and talking about all these movies, you know, having to, to feel the same pain together <laughs> made it better than I think it actually was. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed your time doing this with us. So thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me very much. Scott Davis. How did this end up treating you at the end of the day once we're finally all done? Oh, they're mostly terrible movies. Uh, you know, <laughs> Seth just put it so succinctly. So it says, like, yeah, this is a bad franchise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I mean, if I had to rank these movies, and I know that, that my ranking, again, for those who haven't been paying attention for the what five six seven plus hours that we've uh, discussed these movies uh no way mirrors anybody else's i would say like what i would say like uh part one's the best of course if anybody doesn't say part one's the best like well shane has his reasons i understand uh but you know like (laughs) part one's the best part one part eight six five four two three and then seven but like Honestly, the only ones I would really recommend is I would recommend part one to anyone. I would recommend part eight to a certain audience and part six to a certain audience. And then part five, I would say, yes. (laughs) But mostly, yeah, mostly the films are bad. Mostly they're not they're they're uninspired. It's kind of like when somebody just comes breaking out of the gate with this amazing, amazing thing, which was the howling. But then other people have to take control of it. Because let's not forget, nobody that did part one had shit to do with the other movies, except maybe like a producer or two. And honestly, they're the money people. So then it's like, okay, we did this. We have a lot less to work with for the next movies. So how about this? Wait, no? Oh, shit. Oh, okay. Part three, how about this? No, oh, no. Uh, okay, let's let, let's go back to the wheel. Let's go back to the wheel. Let's go back to the wheel. Uh, part four. Oh shit. Oh, that's the worst ever. Okay, no. Uh, part five. Uh, gothic. Hey, uh, freaks. Uh, go- Wait, what do you want, people? What do you want? You know. So they were constantly trying to get the formula right again after lightning struck with the first one. They could never quite pull it off. Personally, I think they came closest with by saying just let's just start all over again with part eight. But I realize that almost no one agrees with me on that. 
That's not a great franchise. I will say that maybe 30 or 40 percent of them work. And uh, even that's probably being a little generous, I think. Uh, Having said that, I'm very happy to be on another franchise episode. I will come back willingly for more. You know, if I'm invited, if I'm if I haven't totally like ruined all the goodwill with what I said about part eight. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's like, oh, shit, I'm off the Facebook group. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, yeah, that's shit, right? But, um, you know, I'm but, you know, I'm very happy to be on this. Um, Shane, if I didn't have a chance to say it before, it's great to finally be on a podcast with you. Um, and, um, yeah, had a great time with the movies, even if the movies sometimes made me really suffer and Clive Turner, I'm looking at you. (laughs) Well, last but not least, my right hand man, Mr. Mark, the movie man, we had a lot of fun talking back and forth while he was watching these films. So Mark, why don't you let the listeners of Astro Radio Z know how you ended up feeling about the Howling franchise. <laughs> well, well, first, I just want to say that uh, I hope Scott and, and Andrew both realized that uh, I wasn't trying. Uh, I was just putting some heated debate in there. And I oh, no. total respect for both your guys' opinions that you loved eight. I'm glad you could. I wish I could see the film that you guys did. You had, a, reason, really you had, did, a, reason, you had a reasonable opinion. It wasn't like you were just so, trashing on people. <laughs> so I just want to, I just no, want to put me. that. That's just me. That's all I was. Yeah. I just want to put that out there uh, for, for you and for uh, Mr. Gonsrific who uh, had to depart early. So, uh, but as far as this goes, I, I do wish I could see the film eight that you guys saw. Uh, it's an interesting experience. Uh this being another franchise we've gone through, uh, and uh, I know it's getting late, but it, I love experiencing it with all of you folks, uh, you know, because I love hearing the difference of opinions. Some, you know, if everybody had the same opinion of these franchises, I think the these podcasts would not be as exciting as they are i love coming to the episodes and and i'm like oh great what's andrew gonna think or is scott actually gonna like this one maybe he will <laughs> or, you know, when <laughs> or you know just how much does shane love seven you know um a lot because Derek, Derek's told told me about it so much you know uh and i love experiencing f- films like this need to be experienced with a group this Howling franchise needs to be experienced with a group. Do not just watch them by yourselves. Watch them with a friend. Watch them with a group of people uh, of mixed tastes because you'll get something different out of them. And who knows? Someone may surprise you with them. These are franchises, unlike some of the franchises we get where they get so cookie cutter after a while that you get bored with them. AKA, I'm looking at you, Saw series. Yeah. yeah after a while, you know, these series, especially the more modern ones, they, they are, they're necrophilia, bestiality, you know, <laughs> you're beating a dead horse. Violent, but, um, you know, uh, and with these films, they weren't really beating a dead horse. Yeah, the name was, but in all honesty, each of these films, 
as Derek said, and, and Scott said, and everyone here said, they're they're trying something different. Now, whether or not that works for your audience, whether or not you like it or not, they are trying something different as far as the series goes. Maybe not so much as far as other horror films go with it, but within the series, they're trying something different almost every time. And you've got to at least respect that, even if you don't care for the film. So Howling Franchise is an interesting one. I could only really recommend the one. But if you are going to watch the whole franchise like this fine group of folks did, watch it as a group. Watch it with some friends because you'll have a lot more to talk about and you'll be less likely to go out and self, uh, you know, whip yourself. <laughs> watch, it with somebody, watch it with someone you love but also somebody whose friendship you see you feel confident and securing <laughs> make sure there's a safe word so that yeah. at any time someone can just go spoon and you're done we need a safe word so while you're watching the franchise at one point someone just goes albatross and everybody stops watching the film because that bit is a safe word you're done now. Okay, let the person leave. <laughs> I think you nailed it on the head, Mark. I think these, this is a franchise, uh, or at least a couple of the films in the franchise are work better as group experiences, as stuff that you watch with other people. Because I coming out of this, I know at the, on the first episode I talked about how I liked this franchise, how I've always liked this franchise. Shit, I have tapes that are the entire franchise put onto one tape so I could just pop it in and let it run. I used to do that back in the day. You are a better man than I, sir. Well, I like Wolfman. (laughs) What can I say? I like Wolfman and Wolfman movies. And uh, that's what held me for a really long time with this franchise was that it was a Wolfman movie and it was silly and and uh, they were goofy and they were kind of stupid. And I like stupid, goofy, shitty movies. Um, looking back on it now, coming back to it all these years later, this series sucks. If I'm going to recommend any, the first three, the first three, and obviously part seven, part seven is it's one of the staples. If it's, if there's two movies in this franchise that, that I would literally make anybody watch, it would be part one and part seven. There's no doubts about it. But if you're looking for uh, your horror fan or your exploitation fan, you're looking for fun flicks one through three, are fun flicks, genuinely fun exploitation garbage. Um, And then part seven is just, it's the pinnacle of shit mountain. You need to see it. Everyone needs to see it, needs to experience it. So uh, as a whole, it was was kind of a weird experience going back to these movies because I always remember liking them. And now I just kind of like, man, I don't think I'll ever watch any of these ever again. This is kind of weird, but um, c'est la vie. It's over. It's done. Let's uh, let's move on. So uh, next year, I have a feeling I'm going to um, place out there on the Twitter and this we won't get to this until later in the year. But there's I think there's three franchises I'm mulling around and I want to quick say see if you guys react to these. I'm thinking uh, because they seem to be big getters this year, um, but they didn't end up coming out. I'm thinking between um, the Puppet Master series. Um, Children of the Corn, mm. or um, obviously the Leprechauns. 
either of those, any of those Why? will be good. But I'm thinking more, it's, it might be a battle between Children of the Corn and the Puppet Master series. I just I'm got a full-on robotic robot. chubby. No? Let me tell you, a tie between Leprechaun and Puppet Master for me. I'll take them all on, man. I mean, I've got a wide on for <laughs> Leprechaun. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to start posting uh, my reviews for the entire Children of the Corn series on, on the website. So. I've never seen them. I've seen some of them, but I've, I've never watched the whole series. The first and the remake until this viewing through the entire series. So it's uh it's been quite the experience. That is so strange because I was really honestly, swear to God, just about to watch the entire series of Children of the Corn within the last next month or so. There we go. Oh <laughs> so. no. You just killed Shane. Just killed him. Have you guys seen I've seen most of them. That's a rough series. Well, I no problem that I'll finish him. <laughs> I mean, it, that one's a rough one. And you've got so yeah. Part ten is filming. I'm a, I'm down for any of them. I'm I didn't mean to cut Derek off before, but I'm down with any of them. I'll bring yeah. them on. Yeah, I agree with Mark. Any of those sound like absolutely awful good times. We all seem to have fun regardless of what is picked. So, I mean, I'm I'm down with whatever the group decides or whatever's voted upon. It can't be as bad as this one. Oh, oh shit, why face. did you say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> My ninja. Oh, who's got me gold, son? I got to say this. I got I to gotta say this. Glenn, do you think either of those two franchises – could be even remotely as shitty as the Vice Academy series? <laughs> no, because I've seen movies from those, and I already know that just based on what I've seen, the other ones could be nothing but a dog chewing in my testicles, and it would still be better than the Vice Academy movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have no fear. I have zero fear going into if we do the Children of the Corn films, because I can guarantee I will find at least something in those. Even in the Howling films I didn't like, none of them were as bad as some of those Vice Academy. Seriously, seriously, part seven of the Howling or he was not as hard to sit through as the Vice Academy movies. Really? Yes. Really? I just got done, <laughs> I just got done telling you I've watched the Howling 7 for 20 plus years. Okay. I well, watch it at well, least then, once well, a year. Well, then you're smoking that weird cheap Wisconsin crack. I get it. Okay. It's fine. Nah, I get it. Nah. You're, 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 you're altered. No. I mean, no, I'm definitely some of the Vice Academy episodes, and and everybody but you sounds to be you know, in some pretty intense pain. I don't, I don't get how. I mean, I get if you don't like the movie because there's, you know, I mean, there the last one I didn't even like that much, but I mean, like that that was the bit where I'm like, I don't, I don't get how like some of this is really that much worse. I just don't get that, you know. It's just—I don't know. It's just—it's just—it's just a difference in um, how we look at things, I guess. Both <laughs> franchises do run parallels in the net that they promise something, but they don't deliver. Howling promised werewolves—you don't get it. That's true. Uh, uh, Vice Academy, especially the later ones, promised some really good titty, and you didn't get it. So true. in that way, true. They're both the same. No, Mark, you missed missed the main thing. Vice Academy promised comedy and didn't deliver it at all. 
zero. It was lacking in the nudity too. Later yeah, on. nudity. I know. I know, Mark. You need them titties. You need the titties. You need the ass. I understand. I get it. I get it. Speaking of titties, <laughs> yeah. Can we can we just rewind to to the to the last few scenes of of Howling Eight when the only hot werewolf in the whole bunch dies with her hands clamped across her breasts. Yep. Not to reveal any sort of cleavage at all. Yeah, that's if that isn't the perfect note to end on the Howling franchise, uh, strategically placed non-titty shots for the for the arm. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, whatever. There's the <laughs> Howling franchise in a nutshell, folks. Thank you for listening to all of this. I'm sure in the, in the next week or so, I'll put the mega cut of the howling franchise out there for everyone so you don't have to sift through all of the episodes and you can sit and listen to it all in one huge chunk it's going to be big i feel sorry for you if you got to sit and listen to it in one big chunk but a lot of people <laughs> prefer to listen to it that way so uh look for that they'll be coming out soon now let's go ahead and let's wrap this episode up and let everybody know where we can find each other angelique where can the listeners find you Listeners can find me on Facebook. My name, I'm, I'm not hard to find, but uh, if you want to uh, read some movie reviews by myself and a bunch of other really funny cats, uh, go to losthighway.com and check us out. Awesome. Mark the movie, man. Specialmarkproductions.com is where you can find most of my stuff. Uh, that's like the launching pad from there for everything. My YouTube channel, stuff I do for We Love Film, and my own podcast, The Spoiler Room. Awesome, Seth. Uh, CelluloidTerror.blogspot.com, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, at uh, CelluloidTerror. Scott. No, Werewolf Hillbilly. Well, sorry. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> sorry. Uh, yes, uh, you can catch me at Mooiocrity.com. Uh, that's where you'll have all the podcasts that I'm on, hopefully, uh, and uh, all the stuff I'm doing. Uh, also, you can check out my show, uh, Movieocrity, on Vimeo.com. And occasionally I do short reviews called Reaction Shots on YouTube. Glenn. You can find me on YouTube with Diana Bunker Productions, the Bibi Bunker, or just follow me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter at Diana Bunker. Thank you, guys. And Shane. I want to one thank you for finally coming on the show. No, thank you. Thank you. you guys have been awesome, and thanks for having me. Uh, this was really fun. It, 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 finally, there's there's a double dose of the carry in the house. It was nice. I'll have to bring you on some more shows if I can talk you into it. Yeah, sure. It sounds good. It's but, too hot in here with two carries. No. <laughs> Understandable. Oh. Understandable. Um, Shane, do you have anything to show? Anything you want oh, to No, uh, I have no wares to pimp at the moment. Uh, but just, again, thanks a lot, guys. You guys are awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Obviously, you guys, you know me. I'm your host, Eric Carey. If you want to find out about Astro Radio Z, you can go to astroradioz.com. You want to contact me and uh, talk to me about the show, or you have some music you want to supply to the show, or you're a filmmaker or anything, you can email me at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter, on uh, Facebook. Uh, we're on iTunes, YouTube, uh, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, Stitcher, blah, blah, blah. Anywhere where podcasts can be found, Astro Radio Z is ugh. Astro Radio Z is there. Um, give us a subscribe. I love getting them five-star reviews about how sexy my voice is. 
Uh, it seems to be a thing now. I now have two reviews on there about my voice. I, I, I really appreciate it, guys. I kind of want to hear about the show, but uh, you, you can say whatever. Everybody on the sounds so sexy. Oh, God. Well, everybody's doing the Howard Stern kick where they're they're turning me up, the bass up on their stereos and putting the uh, the speaker on the ground and then sitting on it and getting their jollies off. Well, I mean, that's how I record the podcast every time we do something. So. You, you, you have to turn that way up for me. It's all high pitch. What the <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I don't know how. Well, to, I don't know how to help you there, Scott. But, anyways, it, thank you for listening again. 2016, another franchise is over, but Astro Radio Z will continue on. We'll be back talking about some zombies next week. All them zombie films. So stay tuned. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, people. Goodbye. Bye. People. Turn up the bass. Oh. oh, we thank you so much for this beautiful benefit. Thank all of our neighbors and our friends. And Ted, we're sorry. I was looking at Pappy with that tail on his hat, and I thought about a song that I wrote just for him and the cleaning lady. a big mistake with a The stars at night are big and bright.
Deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs>